Ian Loring, hi. We're joined by our comic book bastard. Oh, Mello, hello. And who else are we joined by? Hello, I'm not dead. Jordan McGrath. <laughs> Jordan McGrath is making his triumphant return to podcasting. Um, so the, the three 35mm heroes are, are here. Uh, and we're going to chat we're some films. We're just piggybacking, films. aren't we? We are indeed. <laughs> we're going to chat some fucking films, aren't we? Yes, yes, we indeed. are. It's so very threatening right now. Yes. So we're going to chat. We thought a historical uh, occasion where we brought everybody back together for like a big, big show. We thought, you know what? Fuck it. Let's not do it for the show 300. Let's do it for a film that truly deserves it. Let's do it for <laughs> Alita Battle Angel and Steven Soderbergh's third film since he retired that he shot on a iPhone. <laughs> in I Flying Bird. Yeah, we probably could have picked better. Uh... No. We could have. No. We could not have picked anything better than Alita Battle Angel. Yeah. <laughs> we could have. Well, yeah. Anyone else that Jill? Jackie Earl Haley was in that. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I re- realised that when I saw the IMDb I, page. One of the big fucker. Yeah. He was. Yeah. <laughs> but and Joy Courtney really? was in it for one shot. Yeah. We'll get into that later, guys. Which <laughs> 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 could tickle your balls a little bit there. Oh shit! He was, wasn't he? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. <laughs> We've also been have some sort of trailer chat and tangents and bits like that, and probably a lot of chaos, I'm guessing, during this show. Uh, news-wise, has anything happened? Has Liam Neeson threatened anybody this week? No, but people are getting very annoyed about which categories the Oscars are dropping. Um, I've got to agree with Variety's Chris Tapley. Just cut the shorts. Give yeah. Give them their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, as well. Bafta's happened. Did they? Yeah. It, it, it's like a, if a tree falls in the wood, isn't it? I actually watched the Bafta's this year. Can you actually watch them? Yeah. Fucking hell. It, it wasn't very good. It doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Lumley's monologue apparently was horrific. It was so, so. I mean, to be honest, her throughout it was just cringeworthy. But did she did she present the whole thing? Yeah, wasn't she's the new Stephen Fry? Didn't she oh, say God. something about it was a surprise that Black Klansman was such a hit at the Clan Film Festival? She did. That's a proper dad joke. I love it. Like I, 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 like that's not bad. I'm sorry. Like that's like just the the sheer. We're gonna go ahead with this joke. I kind of give them points for that because I mean it's a shit joke. It sounds like a Bob fucking Hope joke or something like that. It's yeah, it's, just... it's a bit like a cracker joke. 
Uh, no yeah. pun intended. <laughs> it's, it's just a bad thing that when you're watching a film award ceremony, the best thing about it was maybe about five minutes of acrobats from Circus Soleil at the beginning, and it just went down from there. They do that every year to the BAFTAs. They always have some sort of fucking dance sequence at the beginning. It's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like the, if Cirque du Soleil is kind of your star attraction, you are in trouble, aren't you? That is it. They should, they should have had Bross, you know, riding some <laughs> of that fucking documentary heat. Have Bross come on and do When Will I Be Famous? Like, that'd be... That'd, oh. Or just a fist fight, a fist fight to the death or, between or that. both of them. That, that would do as well. Like, yeah, no, absolutely. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, and the, the Oscars thing is like, it just apparently they are gonna show like they're gonna show the speeches at the end of the telecast. Literally, all they're cutting is the people walking up to the stage and collecting actual art. So, yeah, so they'll still give the speeches. So they're basically probably going to save about two, three minutes. But mm. then during that, the commercial break time when they're going to do these is when people go to the bar. So all that's going to happen is it's just going to be a bunch of noise in the background while these people try and give their speeches. Like, it just it sound, it just sounds awful. It, does, it just doesn't make... The thing is, they, they, they picked really weird ones to do. I mean... Cinematography is a pretty biggie. Yeah. Yeah. And and they've picked cinematography to drop from it. I haven't read any. I haven't heard about any of this. That's quite shocking. That's quite shocking. It's it's film editing. It's it's literally a visual medium. You're not going to give it to the cheap visual. They're they're dropping, uh, because they already dropped a load, but I'm pretty sure it's, Ian, you might correct me on this, but it's hair and makeup, film editing, Yeah. Cinematography, yeah, and there's one other, isn't there? I think it's best live action short. That is best live action short. Yeah, that's the one. Right, cinematography and editing is basically like two of them. I'm not. I mean, I'm no. Yeah, but fucking hell, cinematography and editing. That's that's cinema. Yeah, yeah. It's two of the two of however many techniques that you need for a good film. Mm. Yeah. It, it, it's Jesus. utterly mental the fact that, that, that that's some of them that they're dropping but yeah it doesn't make any sense at all just extend it by extra 10 fucking minutes I mean it, it's I, I just I know they're going for viewing figures and they're trying to keep it tight but I swear to fucking Christ if they do any of that shit like surprising those people during the, the that preview of a wrinkle in time shit oh, God, like they did yeah. last year which feels like that was good, a good 10 15 minutes that section then you know it's it, it 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 just what the fuck are they actually going for I mean who is going to go right I'll watch the Oscars now because I don't have to sit through best makeup. But the thing is, it, 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 it's almost like, you know, like the, the whole, hold my beer meme. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like every time the Oscars do something and they go, it's blah, blah, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to hire Kevin Hart. And the Oscar goes, hold my beer. And it, it's mm. literally that, but just keeps fucking going. It's like it's like this is a, a mooted that it might happen about three weeks ago, and everybody went, you "Can't fucking drop editing and cinematography." And they went, uh, "Oh, we're not planning on doing that. We're not planning on doing that. Are oh, we planning on doing that? We are planning on doing that." 
shit. Leave it a couple of weeks, then say it. All right, that'll work. It's like it's like this is all smoke and mirrors because they were ready to reveal that they've actually replaced Kevin Hart with Liam Neeson. And then this all happened like, oh, shit. We better, we better do something else just to make people more angry at us. Yeah, they didn't ask to replace him with Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson just tracked Kevin Hart down and now they can't find <laughs> Kevin Hart. Because <laughs> Liam Neeson went all fucking take from him. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's a shit show, isn't it? I mean, fuck yeah. knows what's. It, it, I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see what that show even is this year. It, it's going to um, be fascinating to see the, the first person that goes to collect their award and basically just donates all their time to whoever won best cinematography. <laughs> oh yeah, could, that'd be good. It'd be great if Mahershala Ali was just like, yeah. I've already, I've already won one of these. What I'd like to talk to you about is editing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it literally he dragged up whoever won editing instead and just went there you fucking go well this is be- this is the thing though it's like what Ian you said um, <clears throat> you said that they're well they're looking to sort of broaden the audience and stuff like that if they're looking to broaden the audience or broaden the audience to what? If they're looking, they're looking. If they're looking for more film fans, then you don't cut cinematography and editing. If they're looking for more mainstream, you know, people who are just interested interested in dresses and celebrity, you don't cut best makeup. So what are they going for? Like, you know, they were talking about cutting out songs, so that doesn't necessarily please the broader audience. Like, what audience is it they're going for? Because it just seems like the. They're chopping off bits and then waiting for people to react, and then people react and they go, oh, "Actually, no, we're not doing that. We'll chop this bit off instead." It doesn't I, really seem like they've got a plan. Apparently, I, apparently they were they were going to with the songs thing. they what they what they've done is they've asked all the artists performing the songs. Apparently, I read this somewhere whether or not it's true or not, but they asked all the artists to scale down the songs to ninety second versions yeah, of that's the right. songs. Yeah, uh, and a few so far have gone. Yeah, yeah. Because no, I mean, that would I mean, like that that would basically be Lady Gaga starting at the bit where she's just kind of vocalizing in in the, in the shallow. You know what I mean? Like it, it, mm. it, it well, would that, just that that comes after ninety seconds as well. That comes at like two minutes and fourteen seconds or something like that. Can you imagine if she did that though? If she just started it from there, it would just be ninety seconds of her wailing. Fuck off, right. shallow. There's no context. That's all it would be. Yeah. Mm. La 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 it's going to be interesting, this, because like they're in a multi-year deal with ABC in the US, and it kind of feels like maybe after all of this, ABC and the Academy will just mutually agree to just fucking end the contract and give it Netflix. Just yeah. fucking give it Netflix. Let's get a best stunt category in there. And then next year, you know, if and if that means we have to be- have best popular film, then fuck it, go on then. You know, just let Netflix do it. Let it be four hours long and just let everybody in the fucking world watch it and, like, a, a good time for all. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just... Uh, it, I, I mean, the BAFTAs apparently was 500,000 people down watching it from last year. And with that, it's just like, just stick it fucking online. Like, stick the whole thing online and, like, do the whole thing. Don't time delay any of this fucking bollocks. Yeah, just stick it on iPlayer. 
Well, that's yeah, the all, other thing. As, all that. That's the other thing as well. Is if you, if the if the main worry here is ads, then stick it online and have have some pop ups or something. You know, mm. there's there's ways to you could sell pop up ads on a, on streaming very very easily for the Oscars and charge basically whatever you want. And I don't think they'd be that intrusive because it's not like you're watching a film. You're watching. An event, you know, it's, it, it wouldn't be too intrusive, I don't think. Netflix would pay through the fucking nose to oh, do yeah. the Oscars. You know what oh, I mean? Like they, they wouldn't have to worry about ads. The Academy yeah, exactly. would get a fucking shit ton. But, but you know, if, if, if we went to Netflix, I mean, don't get me wrong, I think if even if they um, got like, managed to get their hands on the old the Oscars from like the 80s and the 70s oh, and that'd whatever, that would be incredible. Be, you know, we have a whole, the whole historic thing, but you know, if you give it to Netflix, Instead of ads, they're going to be the best supporting actor Oscar brought to you by Snickers. <laughs> no, it's going to be the best actor brought to you by Red Bull. But I, I think if, if, if when the Oscars realise they can do that, they'll just do it themselves. <laughs> but no, they, they, yeah. they, they don't give them any ideas. Yeah. No, the account, the, the account, and it'll be like it'll be. Best cinematography with Barry's discount cars. No, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the Academy think too much of themselves to, to ever do that. Like, they genuinely think that it's still super, super prestigious and that would just kind of, like, ruin it. I'll tell you what's funny, though. The Academy's current president, this guy John Bailey, he's a cinematographer. That's his <laughs> profession. Oh, wow. And it's just, like, he's the one who had to come out and announce this decision. And it's just like it was in a statement. Can you imagine like what a press conference would be? Like first question. As a cinematographer yourself, John, how do you feel about this? You know, like, it, well, I've been fucking useless anyway. I, I think it would have been quite hilarious if I mean I know Roger Deakins won one now, but if he hadn't and he was nominated this year and he won his first Oscar and it wasn't even televised. Yeah, yeah, quite. Mm. Even though, to be fair, I mean, like Alfonso Cuarón's the favourite for Roma at the moment. And it's like maybe no, we, maybe we don't need to see that speech. No, <laughs> which is your best? It's going to be and great. After being on third, going to clean it some some dog. You bring dog shit throw it out there and get a maid to come out and sweep it up, and then he can make a film in twenty years time. But yeah, feeling guilty like about it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I still, I still haven't seen it. What Roma? Uh, yeah. yeah. Come around Nobody has. Seen Atmos. Just, just, come, just come on our house. I'll clean up the dog shit out of the back garden if there is any. I, I, I'll wait. I'll give it a week. I'll let the dog just crap. Mm. And then I'll clean it up and you've basically got the same thing. For him, you, like, and white. Uh, and I'll mean... come over and I'll do a karate routine naked for Bollock you, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> while, while you sit and look, I look, look forward really to that. awkward about it. You should. Have you not watched it? Sure. I haven't, not yet. Jordan, no, nobody's nobody nobody's watched it. Don't, don't, anybody who tells you they've watched it, they're lying. Even these, even these three, these none of these have seen it. Nobody's watched it. It's all a, it's all a lie. It probably doesn't even exist. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it, it isn't there. You click on it and you just get old episodes of Night Rider. That's <laughs> oh, it's like Bandersnatch, and you click on it on the Apple TV and it doesn't start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Brilliant. What have we seen this week, guys? It, it's just Quaron saying, you're not watching this in a cinema, so I'm not letting you see it. <laughs> or taking that sweet Netflix cash. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <The> trailers. Trailers. <laughs> trailers. What, what, what have we watched this week, guys? Right. I've just got to get this out. Oh, boy. 
you only placed it from it already. Yeah. I gotta get. I just gotta get this out there right now. Go on. Danny Boyle's doing a Beatles film, which just yeah. it, it's as I said in the chat earlier on, it's the most mixed I think I've ever been on something because I really like the Beatles and I really like Danny Boyle, but fuck me. I really, really hope this is not the film this trailer is selling. It for me, I I've just watched it before um we sort of came on here and it's it's not a Danny Boyle film. It look it looks I mean I know it's written by Richard Curtis, but it's yeah, it's it a Richard looks Curtis like a film. Richard Curtis film, yeah. 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 It's like yeah. why have you got this sort of great director directing this sort of fluff? And don't get me wrong, I do like Richard Curtis. I mean about time I thought it was quite touching but and and, yeah. and the trailer for that was also quite deceptive which is why yeah. i have some hope sorry no definitely i just i have no idea it just i didn't know what it was about until obviously the trailer and it was like oh god that's just it's i don't know how far they can run with it and if it's it seems one like one. It, it seems like one joke doesn't it that's the thing and i i didn't know i didn't even know it existed before ian said uh, I, I, I thought it was up and yeah, I thought it was a documentary. I, th- I thought when it, I misread Ian's message, I thought, "What well, done, done, done a Beatles documentary?" I'm fine with yeah. that. And then when it starts, like, "This isn't a document." Oh Christ! Oh God, no! You know what? I knew in the you know that horrible uh, thing that we get now, where we get a trailer before the trailer. Yeah, the no, trailer, the trailer plays before the trailer. Yeah. I knew what I knew watching that five-second trailer trailer that I wasn't going to like what followed. Um, maybe that's because, um, what's he called? Flashed up, the ginger fella flashed up. I don't know. Sheeran. Ed Sheeran. Yeah, Ed Sheeran, yeah. Uh, I nearly called him Ed Norton um, for reasons that will become apparent. But, um, yeah, <laughs> I, knew, I knew straight away that this was not for me. And I love the Beatles. And as an idea... As a, an idea to have in a pub to write down on the back of a uh, to write down on the back of a beer map for a script, it's great. But then you wake up the next morning and you go, "Yeah, we wouldn't get two hours out of this," and you throw it in the fucking bin. Well, the, 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 <laughs> thing, the thing that put, put, puts me off instantly straight away is I, I don't mind the Beatles. I'm not a huge Beatles fan, uh, but I, I, I accept their place in, in history, and I, I don't actively <laughs> dislike them. And they're, and they're very grateful, Mark. <laughs> um, but I fucking despise the song yesterday. You do hate. I fucking hate it. It is just a dreary, turgid piece of shit. Um, and then it's, it, when that guy said it's one of the greatest songs ever written, I start well, I'm, I'm straight away going fucking shite. Well, it's not Coldplay, is it? It's not Fix You. I mean, <laughs> you instantly dating your film in the trailer. Yeah. yeah, but you dated it a few years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you dated it like you dated it like a decade ago. But that's oh. the bit. It's bits like that that make you think a Richard Curtis film. When you hear something yeah. like that, you go, "Oh God!" It's just something that feels slightly out of touch. Like uh, I mean, the bit just yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Who the fuck on earth would say that "Fix You" by Coldplay is their like the greatest song ever written? An idiot, Ian. I, I don't. It's just like, fuck me, man. If you're going to get a laugh out of that, say, like, well, it's no baby got back or something like that. You know, like. It's somebody whose favourite style of music is chart. Well, no, but I mean, like, to be fair to Richard Curtis, I mean, like, he wrote The Boat That Rocked. uh, Like, he he seems (laughs) to have quite an affiliation with 
that that period of music is what I'm trying to say. So it just it's weird that Fix You unless that's the joke that Fix You by Coldplay is a shit song, but I don't I think, think that's no, 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 but that's the thing. It's that's where it gets confusing because this isn't like the the tone of this film doesn't it it, it it feels like that joke was written for a different film where that would be the point of the joke. Yeah. Whereas in this film, you go, yes, but this is a film for people who think that yeah, Fix You yeah, is yeah. the greatest. So it, it doesn't fit. Like it doesn't. It doesn't work. No, it, it's yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm not exactly chomping a bit to see this one. Uh, what else have we got? Um, actually, going back to the news, did anybody see the announcement today that Seth Rogen and The Lonely Planet are looking to do a parody film of the Fire Festival? I did see that briefly. Yeah, it popped up. That could oh, work. Fuck yes, oh, please. God. Do you mean yeah. the Lonely Island? Yes. So yeah, oh. yeah. I, I, so that could work out really well. I yeah, think. Yeah. Normally, uh, I, I normally I'd be there going, "Oh God, no! Can we just put that to fucking bed?" But then when you attach those guys and said, "Yeah, if you're gonna throw, yeah, if you're gonna throw Lonely Island, right, yeah. I'm there." Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Know that you, you know, at one point, Craig Robinson is gonna turn up with a clipboard <laughs> and start saying some <laughs> random fucking shit and singing. Yeah. Is Seth Rogen playing like this? This not Seth MacFarlane, the other guy. It looks like Billy McFarlane. Billy McFarlane character. But we don't know. It'll be somebody we play. Mm. Um, he yeah. might be even directing or you know, writing or something. I'm not sure of like the the cast, but yeah, it could. It has legs. Yeah, yeah, I could see. Yeah, I'd be very much up for that. Um, Aladdin. Oh, oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> they actually, and I know I said this on Twitter, but they actually found a way to make it worse. <laughs> like the, the, the public opinion was already at a real low, and then they made it worse. It, it, it looks like they've glued him on an app they got for free. Yeah. Like, like, the, like the 299 version, the light version. Yeah. I have seen, I have seen a, a, a hundred screen caps of that film and none of, of that moment and all of them are out of focus. Every single screen cap I've seen of that moment, it looks like somebody's like just, it, it looks like I'm watching it through glasses and somebody's rubbed a bit of Vaseline on. Like, it just looks... <laughs> it's such a focus. What, how could they get the effects that bad looking? <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a $200 million meme. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is That's- now. And you know that you know that they probably spent so much money, like making him blue, and they couldn't get it right. And at some point, when they were in post production, somebody went, "You know what? We should have done, don't you? Paint him blue. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just painted him blue." Yeah. <laughs> the rest of development did it what ten years ago. Yeah, there exactly. you go. <laughs> uh, it, it's. Vice Junkie is a more convincing genie. <laughs> Yeah, what I don't get is, I mean, I, I was like, it's, when the image came out of him on the front of Entertainment Weekly, I think it was. Yeah. Like, people were saying, "Oh, look, he looks terrible. He looks like a he looks like a, a pantomime person." Yeah. But I thought, well, if you're going to have those costumes in a normal sort of set of lighting, everything like like that is going to look like pantomime. It's just yeah. the way the costumes work. And I was like, give it time. When we see it in the setting, when we see it with all the nice lighting and everything like that, it'll work. But as soon as 
Will Smith comes on screen, it's like, yeah, no. He's a proper it shit. It can't be finished. Yeah. It cannot yeah. be finished. The thing is, is it's, it's you see all the bits that you see before it, and this, you know, it remind all the bits that you see leading up to it remind me of uh, like the recent Jungle Book, both remakes and stuff like that, where they've sort of made a more realistic setting and they've cast actors who are more ethnically aligned with the characters and they are obviously actors that you don't necessarily recognize. So it feels very grounded. And then a blue weird CG Will Smith shows up and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Like, it, it, looks, just, quite, it looks quite tubby as well. It does. Yeah. He, he is rocking the, the genie dad bod. Genie dad yeah. bod. <laughs> but the rest of it, I mean, like, obviously that's taken all the focus. But the rest of the trailer isn't that good either. No, yeah. it, it, it looks like an advert for a game. It looks mm. like an advert for another app reference, but an <laughs> app game. Yeah. It looks boring up until the point that it looks bad. And that's probably <laughs> that's not that's not your best that's not your best trailer, that is it really? No. Uh what else? It is like, what if it is? It is gonna be shit. Um what else have we caught trailer wise? Um the hustle. Um yeah. Uh, yeah, Abby sure. voice is odd. Really odd in this. I will not be watching this movie. Um, I will for, for one reason. What, she like Anne Hathaway and thinks she's pretty? Yes. Okay. Yes, I accept that that. <laughs> Fives. No, I'm not fine. It's, <laughs> um, Chris Addison directing this is a bit of a... What? Right, okay, Chris mean? Addison is directing things now, yeah. Is he? Oh. But, but this, yeah. Okay. I really don't like. I really don't like that guy. So. Yeah, I. I don't know. Female dirty rotten scandals. Sure. I'm fine with that. Not this. Yeah, it's it's too much. Rebel Wilson. I don't mind her in supporting roles, but she can be like the crazy best friend. That I feel like such a horrible man for saying it, but it's like. That sort of style of comedy, it's like when Will Ferrell goes to Will Ferrell. No, I, I think you're spot on right there. She, she is good in small doses. She can be quite amusing, but she's she, 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 she doesn't have enough charm to pull things off. No. And yeah, I don't. I think that's it. It's it's charm, and it's it's she's 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 good as the the funny best friend because she doesn't come across as a nice person she yeah. comes across as a bit of a dick so actually to stretch her out into a whole film you need you need her to be a bit more likable and i don't know if that's i don't know if she's got that in a locker well it, it, it's the yeah. whole thing of, of if you've got someone like for instance remember Wilson, amy schumer they can't pull they can't carry films mm. unsuccessful in carrying films because they do lack a charm yeah. like ability. The weird thing yeah. is, Amy Schumer in interviews comes across as a cunt, and Rob Wilson comes across in interviews as actually quite a nice person, but then she uh-huh. she flips it and becomes... She's very much a caricature in every single performance. And it's like, that's that's all she's got comedy-wise. And then when you compare that up against somebody like uh, Melissa McCarthy, for instance... Exactly. Yes. Media, exactly yeah. It's fucking worlds apart. Definitely. We all just well, that's it. the fact that we're just comparing slightly overweight actors. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no, but, no, but I, think the thing, I think the thing is, is you've named, I was I just had the name Melissa McCarthy rattling around my head there, ready to say, because I think she's the perfect example, because she does do the physical 
she does do the physical you comedy. The James Rebel- Fat Lady Falls Down thing. But yeah, she does do that, and that's what Rebel Wilson does. But she's also got a likability, and she yeah. can also she can do emotion as well. Like she can make you feel bad for her, or she can you know she can make you laugh, or she can make you warm to her. And you know, say what you like about Melissa McCarthy, that's a skill, and I don't think Rebel Wilson's got yeah. that skill. Yeah. The thing about Melissa McCarthy for me is she's she seems to have not listened when people have gone. Oh no, people that look like you can't do those kind of roles. She's gone, what? Fucking gone her. She's gone for likable. She's gone for warm. She's gone for just fucking film roles, not this is the fat chick film role. She's she's got she's got no, I'm an actress, I can do I can I can do that as well as that skinny chick over there can do it. And I'm gonna go for the role. And she's got the role, she's proved her point. Whereas Rebel Wilson appears to have have taken that on board and gone, Oh well I would like to go for that, but I'll, I'll never get it. And, and, and it's also, she's ended up in these kind of roles all the fucking yeah. time. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? It's, for me, with her, it's the jokes that you're supposed to be laughing at are all at her. They aren't actually what she's saying or a nice quip. It's it's just her who's the bumbling idiot. Mm. And you can't carry that for a full film. And plus, like, if, if you're not of that mentality where you find that type of body shape highly fucking amusing... There's not an awful lot there to find funny. No. You know, I don't like... I'm not going to go and watch a movie to sit and laugh at a fat person. Fat people don't amuse me that much. No. They're just, like, people. But mm. more well padded. Well they padded. They won't break as easily if they fall. <laughs> um, yeah, but also, as well, I'm happy with weird boys. Yeah, and weird faces he pulls all the way through. He took the chin backwards. Yeah, it, it, it's like... I'm happy with it can be quite amusing. When she wants to be, but when she tries to be funny and that the type of performance she's giving here, she just comes across as a little bit like, "Oh, you think you're above all this, don't you? You think you're better than this, but you just do it as effort." She's quite a loose person. They've kind of they seem to have kind of tried to go for like the buddy movie vibe that's in that. Um, God, what's he called? Is it the Heat? The Heat, yeah. And the Melissa McCarthy one and Sandra Bullock. And Sandy B, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. it's they're two very skilled actresses doing their thing, and this. Not They're both very likable, and uh, for all you're saying, is Anne Hathaway often isn't that likable. Um, she can play a bitch quite well. Not as good as Sandra Bullock. Is anyone? Well, no. Um, <laughs> anything else no one's turned live to see this week? I saw. The Curse of La Llorona? The what? Curse of La Llorona, the guy that's doing The Conjuring 3. His oh, no. baby. New trailer that's come out. There's is it horror? You are. Is it horror? Yeah. I I'm I'm convinced it's a Conjuring Universe film, but they're not saying it is because I the well. the priest in it is playing the same character, and it's the same guy who played the character in Annabelle. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally same like same actor, same name of character. It's produced by James Wan. It's a Warner Brothers and New Line film. It's a Conjuring Universe film. They're just not revealing what the tie is. Yeah. The poster looks like a Conjuring The priest, obviously. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, there's probably more to it than that. And, like, I think think there's something coming in this film that they're not letting on yet. I'm excited for this. I think it looks quite good. That, That scene in the car with the kids that's in the first trailer that came out a while ago... That's really creepy and it's really well done and it lingers on it as well. It's yeah, yeah. Trailer. It doesn't rush it. It, do, it is weird for me, though, having seen The Mummy and The Mummy Returns as many millions of times as I have to see her in anything else. 
Oh, well, it's yeah. an ox and a moon that's in it, isn't it? Yeah, she's not. She's an odd looking character. <laughs> she's very. She's very distinctive. Yeah, she looks like all of her features are trying to crawl like in the middle of her face. She does a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so no one else has seen that. No, no, I didn't see that. What, 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 has, has everyone else seen? I did see uh, the trailer for Teen Spirit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched the first 13 seconds of this and went, I can't watch another movie with Elle Fanning where she's that. Yeah, it does It does feel a little bit like the pop star version of, um, of um, Beyond the Neon. Not Beyond the Neon, that's my podcast. Um, what's it called? <laughs> Beyond Demon. Beyond Demon, yeah. Um, yeah, it does feel a little bit like that, but obviously it's not going to be anywhere near as as good or deep as that. But there's, I don't know. There's a there's a there's a touch of. It starts off with a touch of almost fish tank sort of style, um, you know, girl with a dream sort of thing. But then you actually get to see the dream turn into the big Star is Born type stuff. So uh, it's it's not for me. But I'll watch it. I'm interested in it. I think it looks interesting. Uh, it's directed by Max Minghella as well, who's um, oh. the actor. Yeah, which is, uh, I think most people will be familiar with him from, um, what's that show called nowadays? Um, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, he's in that. Um, ah, yeah, okay. He was, in, he was in um social network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like the look of it, man. I'll watch it. Can I ask a question about the trailer? Does she smile at any point in it? I don't think she legally can. Uh, I don't remember that happening, no. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's quite moody, but um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, we also watched the trailer for Tolkien, didn't we, Becca? Yes. Yeah. Just couldn't bring myself to play, press play. No, you were yeah, like, yeah, couldn't bring myself to press play. <laughs> You, you, you were right. I, I, I think I finished watching. I could feel myself getting tired, I, even I thinking about pressing play. Why? Why? I, just... I, I, I bet it isn't interesting enough. His life. Well, I mean, he's. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's yeah. I mean, he fought in World War One. He fought in the Somme. So you're going to have that. But the only thing I, I don't understand is he would hate that there's a film made about him. Yep. And I, obviously, there's something going with the um, Tolkien family sort of thing to so sort of cash in on a biopic on him but if what you want to probably write... do I was just Sorry, saying no. what they'll probably do just to just to liven it up a little bit is they'll wait till the last act and then they'll have him reveal to all his bandmates that he's got HIV and then <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter about the truth we'll just but you know just bump it, up the tape he's just to go around the song <laughs> telling everybody at the song that he's got HIV <laughs> 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 Go, or you'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> on the same day he plays Band Aid. Yes. And then, and then literally it'll go white and it'll go out and Remy Malik will man for eight minutes playing. Sorry, John, I derailed you there. <laughs> no, now all I'm thinking of is going to say, now you see, do you know how I'm going to kill half of France? I've got HIV, I'm going to go through all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but that's it. Though, I like Nicholas Holt and stuff, and when he does shit stuff, it, it it's like he's wasting his talent. And it's, it's quite a charismatic screen presence in a lot of stuff, and this just looks shit. Yeah. It, 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 it looks very much like the sort of thing that people like Nicholas Holt will get 
to like be as the main person in a movie though. What like mm. to start? Mm. Yeah. I just feel like why have they done this now? Why did they not do it a few years ago when everyone was like talking crazy? Yeah, now that people are absolutely exhausted of talking, they drop this film out and everybody's like, ah, oh, we've had enough. There's literally only one person in the world who wants this and it's Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but there is, a, there is an interesting film there, like when he was in the song, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a Lord of the Rings nerd, I'm a talking nerd, so like he actually created most of the world for Middle-earth whilst he was in the trenches. And that is quite interesting. But other than that, He's just a guy who wrote some books. And Donald Rodden, really, really good books. But, yeah. That's it. If 30 minutes of it is is the song, and the other 90 minutes of it is him just going, just writing a book, it's going to be fucking dull. But it it took him 15 years to write the book as well, so how long is that going to have screen time? (laughs) (laughs) It's 15 years long. I genuinely feel like, though, the films have ruined the books for me. I used to love The Hobbit. And I used to, and I liked less, but really liked Lord of the Rings. And those movies have fucking ruined those books for me. I will never ever in my life go back and read any of them. Oh yeah, same here. I, I, I loved, I loved, I loved all the Lord of the Rings books. Uh, the Hobbit less so, but I tend, I read, I read the Lord of the Rings books first before right. the films came out. So I loved the books, then I loved those films. And then ever since then, it's just been, just get this world out of my eyes. I'm fed yeah. up. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's just exhausting at this point. And turning The Hobbit into three fucking films was a ridiculous choice. Yeah. Turning it into those three films definitely was a bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any more for trailers or are we done on trailers? I Not think we're good, me. aren't we? Cool, yeah. right. Done. Um, this body, it has the power I need. I feel a connection to it. I can't explain. This could be who I am. You've been given a chance to start over with a clean slate. How many of us get that? Why did an enemy warship respond to me? Because I knew that ship. I've been on others like it, haven't I? Haven't I? Oh, whatever you were, it's not who you are now. Alita Battle Angel uh, is based on a manga series Gun, but with two ends in it. Mm. I'm gonna go for that pronunciation. I'm looking at you, Becca. I thought you might have known that. It was a 1993 uh, film. I know that called Gun or whatever. Yeah. It's like uh, what is it called? It's Gun Dream or something like Gun that. Gun Dream or something like that. Gun Dream. Yeah. It literally translates to Gun Dream. Apparently. Yeah. Um, it is directed by Rob Rodriguez. You you wouldn't know because James Cameron hasn't let him anywhere near any of the promotion work for it. You wouldn't know that one thing. Uh, well, we'll come to that. Um, uh, and it's it's written, sorry, uh, by James Cameron and Petita um, Caligardis. Fuck it, probably butchered that, but <laughs> so what? What about to talk about Leah Battle Angel? So, <laughs> uh, stars Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, Marshala Ali, Ed Skerrin, apparently Jackie O'Haley, isn't it? Uh, and Rosa Salazar. Uh, oh, not forgetting Ed Norton as cosplaying James Cameron. <laughs> 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 oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I, I, I actually thought for the first like 30 minutes when he turned up that it was, was James Cameron straight up I thought it was James Cameron until that literal last shot of him <laughs> yeah well I hadn't I hadn't pointed to that until just then and now it's, it's possibly added and taken away the same half a star um, 
It's in the year 2563. Uh, we've had a great war known as the Fall, and now we basically have a city in the sky and a city below. The city below feeds the city in the sky. And it's that kind of, you know, lower classes and upper classes metaphor that was, you know, pretty heavy-handed to be dealt with. Um, and then we've got Chris Waltz plays essentially like a doctor, but like a cyber doctor. It's yeah. cool, cyberpunk uh, kind of vibe. And he finds Alita... Brings her back to part human, part mechanical life, and then she starts kicking the shit out of things. Things happen. We'll get into it. She really likes oranges. She really likes oh, and chocolate and chocolate, but she doesn't like burritos, so she gave it to a dog. Anyway, <laughs> Alita Battle Angel Jordan, what did you think? Um, um I thought visually it was quite exciting at times but the one thing that got me straight away was even though it's a futuristic setting it always felt kind of dated mm. it's like it was a blockbuster made in the 90s with the visual effects of now yeah, and yeah I, I, that's, I, a, that's a that great way of putting it and but I, but I know the script was um written in the 90s because Cameron did it back then but it also feels like again feels like the most of the pre-production was done back then as well Robert Rodriguez just took that whatever the, the previous plonked his name on it and said let's do this I, I firmly and, believe that that shot of her chopping the teardrop at the end was pre in the 90s yeah at actual yeah. studios <laughs> Fucking hell! Sorry, it, it, yeah, it that, is. That, that feels like a, 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 a something that's been taken out of a Blade movie or something. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, yeah. but I think and, it has been taken out of a Blade movie. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> but yeah, it's. I mean, it falls flat on nearly all of its sort of emotional beats, and it suffers from poor casting. And it's if you've got a film like that, like think about James Cameron films of old. Like, yes, they were bombastic and they were big and they were action-packed, but they had personality and they had characters in there that felt real, and none of these people felt real. And I don't know the actor's name, but the the lead love story in it, the guy... The Jonas Brother. Awful. Is that, is that Jonas- honestly a Jonas Brother? No, I just while I was watching it, I was thinking I can't get it out of my head that I think you're a Jonas brother, and it's just, it just stuck in my head the whole time. I don't I know his name. I, I, I literally was watching it the thinking Robert Rodriguez thinks that that is him when he was a kid. He's been yeah. a lot of like like genuinely thinks that that's him when he was a kid. Even with his haircut, he's bloody going out with Sophia Batella. That kid, yeah. Okay, that was all got a chance. <laughs> but yeah, it's it it committed the cardinal sin and made the sort of the world and the story that was getting teased in the flashbacks look way more interesting than the story that was actually that it was actually telling. I wanted to be back in that world, and yeah, it's I mean, the first hour of the film as well to take it on another level was so dull and where it should have been building up these relationships in an organic way with Edo and Alita and with, um, I think, is it, is it Hugo? I think his Hugo, name is. Hugo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but all the way, they were trying to confuse meaningful conversations with exposition. And just because mm. they're sharing screen time together doesn't mean that they're bonding. Mm. Um, so <laughs> yeah. when 
like he tries to pull our heartstrings with the father daughter dynamic that Ida and Alita have. It garners no emotional response, and it as a whole, it felt really really hollow. A nice shiny, pretty hollow ball, basically. No, what are your thoughts? Uh, I agree. I think the first half, the first half is all set up and so much exposition. And I think the the problem is is it, it's very difficult to it's very difficult to get interested in the characters when all they're doing when all they're doing is spending their screen time together explaining things to each other. I think the dialogue is appalling. The um, I mean, it's to get the good to, dialogue, it's, it's yeah, exactly, good. yeah, and it, it feels very it feels very YA as well. Like you know that yeah. the relationship in particular. And I think the problem is is that you've you've set out these characters. You've got. Rosa Salazar to get the good out of the way. I think she does well with what she's got. She sells, she sells a a pretty weak character, I think, and a character which is having to overcome a physical, yeah, a physical disability in that 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 pointless (laughs) that pointless face. Um, So she's good. Christopher Christoph Waltz just appears to be there to just explain things for the first half hour. So it's very difficult to get any more out of that relationship that he has with his, you know, um, his his non-daughter. Um, as we've said, the Jonas brother guy's got no charisma at all. And then when you get to the, the bad guys, so the first bad guy that turns up, um, I don't know who he is, but he sort of... Ed's going. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's, it's, so Ed, Ed Screen or Ed Skerrin, he turns up. But before that, there's another guy, and he he's the one who sort of gets dispatched by by her down the alleyway. Yeah, uh, when Christoph walks down there, he as soon as he turns up, he starts delivering this horrible bad guy dialogue, and I was just cringing inside. And then from there, you get Nicholas Holt's older brother Ed Skrine, who turns up and starts delivering more of these sort of hammy, bad, mustache twirling nonsense lines now, i will say he seemed to be into it which oh, like, yeah. i i thought he I'm was, he was. I, I i thought he was having fun with it and he kind of knew what it was um like yeah but sorry go on and i think it just it, it just it makes it difficult to care about anyone it makes it difficult to to get on board with anyone and then later on any work that has been done to set out these fleeting moments of of um, of character, they just backflip on. They just ignore them. So there's, I've got a list of them here. <laughs> um, so the first thing is that uh, I'll just do two. Right. So Christoph Waltz very early on says to her, like when she her eyes prick up about about the, the ball game and. He's like, no, that's nothing to do with you. You, you, yeah, you yeah. Need that sort of thing. And he very quickly, no, get away from that. And then it transpires that he's got this relationship with that game because his ex-wife was this person. They had a daughter and blah, 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 blah. So it's all gone bad. And then within a heartbeat, he's fitting rollerblades to her that he built specially for her. And he's <laughs> oh, going, so good, good luck. And patting around the bicycle. There's a point where he literally says, I will never put that body on you. I will never put that body on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, put that body on you then. He's got loads of parts. Yeah. Um, Also, the biggest one, the biggest failure for me was what they do with her, where 
they set her out as this person who she wants to know about who she is. She wants to know about her past and discover all this. And she wants to get up there and learn this. And, you know, she wants this body so that she can be stronger. And then in the next scene, she's like, do you want me heart? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and it's so unnecessary that conversation yeah and they're they're having a conversation about all the options that they've got available to them well i'm going to do this and get the money and then or we could do this or i could go in murder ball so they go listing all these options and the next thing she's literally holding her heart and she's like we'll just take this you know, go and sell that. That's the thing. It's like, literally, at first, it kind of seems like it's just a romantic notion, like, I'd give you my heart. And then it's literally, no, sell my heart. <laughs> it's, it's, we're shitloads. Yeah. That's a weird air we are. I really didn't get on with it. And it was, I, I'll be honest, I know that I was sort of being a bit bitchy about it beforehand on WhatsApp. So you might think that I was ready to go in and and have a go at this film. I truly, 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 truly was not. I went to the film on on Wednesday night. It was a midweek, relaxing, I just want to be entertained kind of thing. If this film had have been half decent, I probably would have given it a pass. I was really in the mood for it. So for it to just, it was one of those experiences where one thing after another, it started to, to, to really like knock me down a little bit as it went on. So by the time we got to the end and characters were just going against everything that they'd been set up to be, I was just like, nah, fuck this. This is, this is really bad. I was fucking stunned that you went to see it though. Cause I think literally the first I knew of you seeing it was your tweet. And I was just like, yep, that guy's got an unlimited card now, hasn't he? You know, like- <laughs> I, I, well, that's the point, though. I just wanted to be entertained. I just wanted yeah. to have a fun, a fun midweek action movie with big special effects. So that's all it had to do, and it, it sort of failed at that. Um, Bex, what did you think? I um, I was really up for this when it was first announced. Before any of the visuals came out, before any of the trailers came out, just based on the source material. Um, not that I'm familiar with it, but when they, when they, they, when they came out, they were doing a movie based on this manga. I did a bit of research into the manga. It's quite extensive, quite a rich story by all accounts. The uh, animes that they've made, off the back of two of them, are supposedly really good. So I, and the, the manga is, is really quite pretty. It's nice-looking work. And then they've made this out of it, and it's, it, it's horrible. There's... There's a few bits in it that I was like, you know what, yeah, I was all right with that. And it was mostly like the action-y, fighty type thing. Some of those were really good. They were well, like, choreographed as much as you can choreograph something you're doing with computers. But they were well done. But apart from that, fuck me, it was, it was, it was just painful. The dialogue, painful. The sentimental beats, all absolute fails. The, it just... Becky, can I ask you a question about one of the action set pieces? Go on. You know the big action set piece, the the big action murder ball set piece. Yeah. Did you like? Did you like it when she just left that set piece halfway through it? <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is what it's all been building up to. This is the the big murder ball tournament where she's going to win the money and they're going to go to Elysium and. Elysium, yeah. <laughs> She's just left instead. Just fucked up. Just literally fucked off halfway through the game. And, and nobody chased her or anything. It's just do, like, what? 
Yeah. Do you know, the, the the thing I love about that whole construction as well is she goes off to save him. He dies, kind of, but they manage to rebuild him. And then... <laughs> he dies again. He fucks off again. <laughs> she tries to save him. This time he dies for good. Like, the fact yeah. that that last 20 minutes is literally the same thing just played over twice. Yeah. It's yeah. fucking brutal. Yeah. Like that <laughs> the the screenplay literally feels like James Cameron was an eight year old just going, so there's a robot girl and then this happens and then this happens yeah. and then she joins a murder ball competition and then this happens and this happens and then a guy with a load of robot dogs turns up and then oh. this happens and then this happens and then Ed Norton turns up as me. <laughs> Didn't mind the man with the robot dogs, actually. He was the only one that I didn't I fully hate. I liked him at first, but then he made that weird joke, and I was like, what? <laughs> he just said something like... It was Jeff Farhe. It Did was anybody notice that? Yeah. But that he says something like, he didn't like dogs, and I'm like, is that a joke? What's that? <laughs> that, is, that is literally what he said. Um, and I liked the robot dogs as well. They were quite good. Um, and I quite like the twist that he does send people up to Zala and put his like brains and eyes and stuff when he opens that fucking thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, with the googly the eyes. That is so fucking hokey. What a shitty fucking it, 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 shitty it, that, effect. That was a little bit man with two brains. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking ridiculous. So fucking ridiculous. Yeah. But that script, I mean, it, people should be prosecuted over how bad that script is. It is fucking <laughs> awful. Can I just give you my, my final character contradiction as well? <laughs> the, the one where the Jonas brother ru- uh, runs out into the street after that guy and he goes, hey, you, stop doing... It's one of his mates who's like yeah. Robbie. And he's like, you, stop doing that. Stop doing that thing I was doing just literally about an hour ago. Stop doing it. And the guy's like, why? And he's like, because I quit. And it's like, fucking quit then. What are you, what are you doing? You're, you're, literally, you're literally not involved in this one. Yeah. You literally came and sought me out to tell me to stop doing it because you quit. Fuck off. Um, Ian, what do you think to a battle angel? Yeah, you know what? I, I gave us a 2.5 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Now I'm thinking, what the fuck was I doing there? I like, think it's well, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like th- th- it's like... Some of the visuals are really interesting, but at points it looks like the most expensive, cheap movie ever made. Um, It's a film which just it it feels out of date. It just feels out of time. You know, it it, it just everything about it feels a bit naff. Like naff is a word for me for this. I mean, like that sequence early on where they're playing the street murder ball game. Like it just like. Yeah. Is, is this yeah. actually like so? This bit's for six-year-olds. Then it feels I, I like mean, Hook. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, quite. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Frankly, yeah. I'll give it a half star for Robert Rodriguez looking at Jennifer Connelly like most films look at a woman twenty years younger than her. Like, I, I really respect the fact that they've got Jennifer Connelly here and they've got her in kind of, like, dresses and looking all sexy. And it's like, good for you, Rodriguez. Um, like, Ian, it, it's pertinent to what you're saying right now, but I actually turned out of Bex and said, I have what currently one absolutely massive issue with this movie in terms of a what-the-fuck issue with this movie. And it is Robert Rodriguez... 
Paul Rogers hasn't directed a big movie, a, a, a properly big movie since what? Planet Terror. Sure. Yeah. Was the last movie, and that was off the back of Sin City, and it was it was him and Tarantino, and I I like Planet Terror, but it was a shit half of that. Yeah, but he literally has, for no reason whatsoever, has Jennifer Connelly in her underwear, laying on what is it, and then wandering around in her underwear, and you're looking going, I guarantee you, Jennifer Connelly was going. Why am I in my underwear? Oh, just do, just do it. And it's like, you've got to say, do you, know, do you know why you're in your underwear, Jennifer? Because Robert Rodriguez wants to jerk off to the rushes later on tonight. That is why you are in your underwear. There's no other reason whatsoever. Because Well, well, Mark, you've managed, you've managed to find fault with the one thing about the film I did like, so... Although it's Robert Rodriguez. He'll have one hand on his cock and one hand on his guitar. Yeah. That's it. No, he will literally have both hands on the guitar as he's fucking it. <laughs> dry Just too dry. I don't even think it's dry. Nice. But, but it, I, it's everything in it. It feels very first draft. It feels like yeah. James Cameron wrote it back in, what, 96, 97, and then put it in the drawer took it out of the drawer, dusted it off, didn't look like, oh, oh, do you know what, that first draft dialogue, let's just tidy it up, add a little bit of hit this and here and there. It just felt like, there's a script, there's $150 million, go make it. And, and, and basically, Robert Rodriguez is like, James, I'll just shoot the script as long as I can have a little dog in this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, 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 I don't know, it just, it's... James, it's, it's like you were saying earlier. There's an interesting story there in her backstory, but for a three, four fucking day long movie, it doesn't explore any of it. Well, that's I mean, kind of that's sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean that that that's the thing. Like you guys were saying earlier on, it's like the flashbacks. Where was that Michelle Rodriguez as it yeah, was the other one? Yeah, so like all that kind of stuff. It's like okay, cool. Yeah, I want to see female soldiers on the moon or whatever the fuck like yeah. shooting up aliens that looks fucking rad i don't really want to see this film where it's all centered on a murder ball competition until it's not you know it it, it, it just it, it feels all and like you were saying jordan it feels all over the place it feels like a first draft it literally feels like cameron was just like this work that i did 20 years ago yeah that's good enough i don't need to touch this fuck it i'm busy with avatar anyway so robert yeah do you want to do this oh yeah james i'll do i'll do fucking i'll do anything mate yeah 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 anything that you're doing yeah you know and it's like and here it is because it was interesting um rosa salazar was in- interviewed on the empire podcast a couple weeks ago and she was saying that like it's really rare for a blockbuster that you've got the completed script you could just read the script like none of this like well we you know do you want the role or not then we'll look at the script while we're filming we've got the script and it was like you should have been looking at the fucking script while you were filming yeah yeah it, it, it just but the thing is there were individual bits that i liked even though sometimes for bad like that fucking speech that she gave where like she gets that hunter warrior card by walking in and going i want to be a hunter warrior and also yeah. did anyone else wonder how the fuck is that the same place that Mahershala Ali lives? Like, I didn't get the connection at all because, like, she walks into that place and then it cuts and it's Mahershala Ali and then she's 
in his place. So it's like he lives why, there. Why does he live there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, why, he can live anywhere. <laughs> I mean, like, but I mean, it's so bizarre. It's like, why are those robot things like those robot things just here and go hostile intentions detected? It's like, what the fuck? Those <laughs> robot the, the, the Ed yeah, the Ed two and I'm things, and then you don't see. You know, but I mean, there are moments that I like. I mean, like that awful speech she gives in the fucking bar, but then that, like, that whole kind of like fight sequence is all right. The murder ball sequence at the end is all right. Like, the action when it's on is all right. Basically, if people, whenever people shut the fuck up, I was kind of okay with the film. Whenever yeah. anybody opened their mouth, it was fucking awful. Yeah. It reminded me of Ready Player One in that respect as well. Yeah, yeah, good shout. Um, I'll, I'll do my little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, Mark. Yeah, go. Ahead. I, I think I out of everybody, I think I probably liked it the most in the sense that I, I thought it was amusing at points. Just, just how how much they were fucking this thing up. <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it's a it's a hundred fifty to two hundred million dollar movie that nobody wanted. Nobody was asking for it. There's nobody there saying, oh, I wonder when they're going to do an elite, a battle angel movie. Nobody was saying that. It's Robert Rodriguez directing it, which makes no sense because he's never directed a big budget movie. It was always his whole thing was he made smaller budget movies and made them try and look like big budget movies. What he's done here is he's made a really big budget movie look like a really small budget movie. Mm. It hasn't worked, and it's it's a first draft script with a director who is well past his best. And to go back to the the the, the, the what is it name I saw earlier? It's Christoph Waltz. So you go back to Planet Terror and Death Proof. Post that, you've got Django Unchained, where Christoph Waltz played a bounty hunter, and you've got Django Unchained. Couldn't do to that, and then. Robert Rodriguez went, oh, I'm going to craft Christoph Waltz as a bounty hunter and I'm going to do it in a fucking cyberpunk world with all of this shit and it's going to go on. It's going to be really, really quite shit. Yeah, it's so miscast. Christoph Waltz clearly has the chops to play a bounty hunter. It, 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 but the good thing is you know that at some point Christoph Waltz is going to do something great now. I again. just felt embarrassed for him and Jennifer Conway. No, Christoph Waltz. I didn't feel embarrassed for Christoph Waltz in it because... <laughs> He literally would have been going back to his trailer going, I am getting paid so much money for this shit. <laughs> so much money. Oh, I know. It's, it's damaging, isn't it? Jennifer Conley looked like she looked like she was, in every scene, she was regretting the decision to make this movie. I loved it. it I it's like she was going, she like a bitch. All the way she ought, yeah. That's what they, she it's, kind of always looks a bit like that, yeah, though, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it literally is, like, like, you could see her thinking, I know that this is paying for like a new apartment in New York or a beachside place in Miami, something like that. But it's just not worth it. I, I do feel like I do feel for her because obviously she's married to Paul Bettany. It's like Paul Bettany just gets to do a Marvel Studios film every couple of years, and he probably <laughs> earns enough money off that to keep them going. And then Jennifer Connolly has to do Elite a Battle Angel, where basically yeah. she end like so she ends up as brains and eyes. Yeah, you know she. You know she's saying to him when he leaves the house every day as well. Just can you ask him when they're bringing back Betty Ross? Yeah, okay, yeah. I'll ask him. I'll ask him. Yeah. I don't think it's. <laughs> he leaves and he literally turns around the dog and just goes. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> 
It, it is. It, it's it, her character basically is right. Underwear looks like bitch. Looks like bitch. Looks like bitch. Eyes and locks. <laughs> and that that is literally it. It's it's not very good. And it, it, it was on for two weeks, but I, I, I didn't hate it, but it's shit. <laughs> it's what I'll say. What was that saying? Elite Battle I didn't hate it, but it's shit. Uh, I'm, I'm just looking here on YouTube. It's actually the, the entire animate, animes on YouTube, like the first film, is 58 minutes long. So therefore, they've got a two-hour film out of fifty-eight minutes. Well, the thing is, this felt this felt like a film that I would have watched in nineteen ninety-four for two pound fifty on a kids' club. At, yeah. At view. Yeah. It felt like that. Yeah, you're right though. Actually. Well, I think the big the biggest crime of all for me is to for it to be the film that it is, and for it to have such bad dialogue, and for it to have such bad character development, and then for it to go back on everything it does, then to have the confidence or arrogance that it has to set up this, you know, to set up the future films. Yeah. I had no idea. So when I went into this, I didn't know that this was you know, a Hunger Games job. I didn't know this was like, you're going to get to see her battle in a, in a sort of sporting arena and then she's going to take that fight to the man. I didn't know we were getting that. I thought this was a self-contained film. And then it very, very clearly... Introducing people like Jai Courtney and Ed Norton and... Um, uh, uh, what's her name? Um, Rodriguez. Michelle Rodriguez. You know, these are, these are all characters you're going to get to see in the next film. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. I was like, to be honest, at what in the early part, I was trying to figure out. I mean, I started out thinking, all right, well, at what point in the film do we get to go to Elysium? Do we get to go? Is that is that the third act? And then actually, we don't get to go to. We get to we get to see her point at it. Yeah. For a long so... for a long time, I thought the reveal was going to be that Elysium was actually bullshit and it was all dead up there or something. Yeah, it was I... all just something. It was all just something that was being used to keep people aspirational and stuff like that. But even yeah, that didn't. It's just like we're going to go there, but just not now. You're, gonna, you're not going to get to see it, and that's disappointing. But, man. That's... but does this get a sequel? Because no. the only way I don't think of getting a sequel is it doing absolute like guns in China, yeah. in Japan, in whatever. It, 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 getting it, a sequel that way. It's it, it's done. Yeah, it, 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 it's not going to make that much. Not it's nowhere near going to make enough. It's it's bombed everywhere else. Even even if, even if it did really well in in, in Asian markets, I don't think it can do well enough. But it hasn't. It hasn't opened in the US, has it? No, but it's projected. They like Happy Death Day to you. May beat it apparently oh, this weekend. How much how much did that cost? Yeah, that, exactly. <laughs> that, that, yeah. Million at the moment. Wow. <laughs> like yeah, I, it, it, it's apparently is it, it is not it is is touching two hundred is is in excess of two hundred million the production budget. But the fucking balls out arrogance though to read that script and make that movie and still try and set up a fucking sequel. Apparently you must be yeah. stupid. Uh, apparently, uh, the the script it's, was written it's by Cameron and then was um, Rodriguez redrafted by a child. Rodriguez essentially took the the script and a lot of notes that um, James Cameron added over the years to it, and then formed the script. 
but according it's... to according to Box Office Mojo, Happy Death Day to You has a production budget of nine million dollars. <laughs> nine million dollars. Apparently, it has already made more than that on just pre um, pre sale alone. Wow. Well, you know. We're off to see it tomorrow, are we? I don't know off tomorrow. I read a review of it earlier on, which makes it sound like they're really going weird with it. <laughs> nice. And I'm very, very excited. I am very wow. excited for that fucking uh, film. So, going back to Elite Battle Angel, quickly. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I'll, it, 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 the thing is, it's, it's the... This and The Kid Who Would Be King... I think are the two last films that Fox are releasing before the Disney takeover is expected to complete. Jesus, and, they've really given up, haven't they? Yeah, I, I mean, think it would be King looks good. Yeah, I but it, 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 it does, but it's not doing well, is it? It, it bombed really, really badly in the US, and I, it, it doesn't look like it's going to do great guns over here either. Um, and it just. It, it, it's at the point now where I think Disney are basically like, right, Fox, we've got your we've got your library for our Disney Plus service. We've got some MCU characters. The, we've got Avatar. The rest of your stuff can kind of fuck off. Well, well, to be honest, whatever they've lost on Battle Age, they're going to make on an on an on Endgame, aren't they? So that's going to make two billion. Well, the, the thing is, I mean, like, it's not like the, the takeover hasn't even completed yet. So that's not even Disney's money to lose. It's still, yeah. it's still Fox. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's basically they've just lost a shitload of money. Disney probably have already accounted for that because I, I, you know, I think they probably priced that in that Alita was not going to do very well quite a long time ago. Um, yeah. If uh, I mean, it just it's it's a sad state of affairs that. Like the last big, 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 big blockbuster film that we are probably going to see with that fanfare might well be a Battle Angel. God, that's quite sad, though, actually. Mark's just seen that Rebecca Ferguson's in The King Who Would Be King, so we're definitely off to see uh, The Kid Who Would Be King, so we're definitely off to see that now. And she's playing an evil sorceress. Apparently, she's stuck to a wall for most of the film. (laughs) Well, there's some imagery. Oh, that's nice. Um, Battle Angel. Yeah. Your shit. Ian. Yeah, I'm gonna go shit. Like I've barely said anything good about it the entire fucking time. No. Um, it's definitely shit, but I'm, I I think it's a geostorm. What's so bad? It's good. Actually, the thing is, is I, I, it's really bad, but I've enjoyed. Pointing out how how awful it is. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got shit. Uh, I, 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 I think I'm I think I'm Geostorm as well with it, which with with Noel on this one because I, I didn't outright hate it, and I could I, I could. You heard them talking, right? You heard the script. I, yeah, I did, but I was expecting <laughs> that script. I. I actually thought it was it was brilliant the fact that they started off with when when, when the big floating city in the sky, which is actually just tapes to the rest of it essentially. Uh, and went, oh, is it magic? <laughs> I thought, yeah. oh yes, I have strapped him for this. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about oh, that. That was good. I saw a bad animated face. Yeah, I also saw uh, Jackie Haley constantly calling her little flea. Oh, that's like like, uh, like it was a like it was a part of a computer game that he was stuck on. Oh, oh also, 
I just need to say as well, I just want to bring up Jai Courtney again, like literally <laughs> one shot Courtney. Um, and also that. Just I have the a inc- theory about the Jai Courtney thing. Yeah, go on. I, I, I have a theory that literally, that once when Rodriguez was showing like the, a little, like the first bits that were from those days to James Cameron, he went, oh, um, Sam Worthington's in it. And they've gone, ooh, it's actually, it's not Sam Worthington, it's Jai Courtney. He's gone, yeah, kill him. Look at shit. I mean, like in that scene as well. Jennifer Connolly was in the room when it was like, you must get me a litre. You get me a litre, I'll take you up to fucking, what's his, what's his blops, Elysium. Literally, Jennifer Connolly is there in that mo- murder ball arena with a litre, like she sees a litre, just lets her go. Yeah, a litre's here. Yeah. Just walk over and go, come with me. Like later on as well, like Christoph, after that fight with the dog man, like they take a carrier leader out. Jennifer Connolly's there as well. It's like, why why don't you take her now? Like, there's so many opportunities. There's that's another thing that's another thing that reminded me of Ready Player One, though. There's a lot of convenient people being in certain places and people knowing each other. So, like. It's just, I've met this guy, I've fallen in love with him, and he's going to take me right to uh, right to Jennifer Connolly. And, oh, yeah, and he also knows this guy who's part of the story. And it just, it all felt very close. You know, like it, like in Ready Player One, where they sort of, they all come out of the, the VR world and they all live around the corner from each other. It just <laughs> reminded, it reminded me of that. It's just like, it's this is too convenient. Yeah. 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 Everybody from all over the world can play with everybody, but we all live yeah. within, within yeah. a driving radius of each other. We, we, yeah, within a, within a two minute drive in the van. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Our audience were, uh, was Deadly Not Shit, 14%. Touching Cloth, 43%. And Shit, 43%. Yep, fair yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so, moving on. Uh, should we do what we've been watching or should we go, go straight in the high-flying bird? Oh, the high-flying bird, is it? Yeah, okay, let's do it. You want to get back on the court? And that's your agent. I want to get you there. But we are in a lockout. There are no actual games to watch. You think these fools, these rich white dudes, gonna let these sexiest sport fall by the wayside? This team's my family. I need us to be one big family again. Football is fun, but it don't sell sneakers. To move merch and inspire rap lyrics, they need your services. The NBA won control of a game that we played. We played better. They invented a game. On top of a game. I can see a whole infrastructure that put the control back in the hands of those behind the ball. What you gonna do? But I'm about to pull up a chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, High Flying Bird is uh, another Steven Soderbergh film. Uh, that is, is the third movie he's made since he retired this time. Keeps on retiring this man. Uh, it is directed by Steven Soderbergh, not written by him. Uh, Terrell Alvin McCraney, I believe. Yeah, a gentleman who wrote Moonlight. Is it? Yeah. Oh, right. It's interesting. I didn't know that. Um, 
And it stars Andre Holland, ZZ Beats, uh, Zachary Quinto, Carl McLaughlin, Bill Duke, uh, and a few other people where you kind of go, is that hit? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it is set in a lockout of the NBA, uh, and a sports agent uh, is trying to kind of work around these things in terms of <coughs> clients when they're not getting paid. Um, so, uh, where should we go first? I'm going to go... Becky. Um, right, I really expected to dislike this film. Yeah, I think, in fact, I think I said last week that I wouldn't watch it. You get, you, you're not a big fan of sports movies, I'm are you? I'm not really, no. Even no. though you do like a lot of sports movies. Name one. Rocky. Not a sports movie. It is. It's a story about a man. And Rocky IV. <laughs> um, that, that's two out of, like, all of them. Anyway, so yeah, I fully expected to hate this movie, but it's it's not actually not much thought goes on in it. Well, they're literally, it's literally normal. Because well, it's there's a, a little bit. There's a little bit where you see them bouncing the ball a little bit, yeah. but then it cuts away. Bouncing the ball. Bouncing the ball, yeah. Doing the dribbling thing. Um. So yeah. So that that I think helped. Um. I actually I actually really quite enjoyed this. Um. It's bit dry in um, the the fact that it's all the kind of wheeling and dealing that goes on in the background but it's it's actually quite interesting I think it thought its twist was a bit cleverer than it actually was in that oh we're working towards this the whole time and you're like yeah you could kind of see that that was up there for everyone to see um and it looks a lot nicer than Unsane so yeah I quite enjoyed it cool uh yeah fucking loved it um <laughs> I think it, technically, I think it shows there's a lot more you could do with an iPhone with lenses, in fairness, than um, Unsane certainly showed. Um, I, you know, the fact that it's like a proper scope film, but it's got this really good de- uh, like depth of field and clarity to it as well, I thought was great. But I thought the story it was telling was really interesting as well. Um, you know, like people changing the game but like well you think they're inventing a new game but instead they're kind of like just changing the game that they're stuck in i thought was really clever um i thought um oh shit uh the the lead guy what's his name Uh, andre holland Holland, Uh, I, i thought he was great he's like you don't know whether he's just like throughout the whole thing you don't know whether he's a snake oil salesman or whether he's genuine and it's like even though there's a large amount of bullshit to his character it kind of feels like there are nuggets of truth in pretty much every single interaction he has um i like it was just really really complex character i liked his relationship with zazy beats i thought she was really good as well um it's just this tight 90 minute look at a man in a machine playing the machine for uh, like the, the, in the best way that he can I thought it, I thought it was cracking oh and Carl McLaughlin was great and that power play he did with the fucking nose snort was uh, a hell of a piece of work uh, yeah I was a big fan cool uh, no uh, yeah yeah I, I, I liked it I don't think I liked it as much as Ian but I liked it I think it's got it's got a lot of elements that I really enjoy um, I love Steven Soderbergh. There's a few of his 
well, there's one of his more recent films that I've not gotten to yet, or two of his more recent films that I've not gotten to yet. Um, but I, I do really enjoy Steven Soderbergh stuff. I do really enjoy sports movies that aren't about sport, like uh, Moneyball and stuff like that. Um, I do really like films where it's just people having conversations, smart people having conversations. Um, so all of those things came together in this for me, and I, I really enjoyed that side of it. The performances I thought were great. I thought Zazy Beats in particular was was excellent. Um, I didn't always know what was going on, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, there were moments where they were discussing things and I was a little bit confused as to the direction. Um, so all of that stuff I really liked. What I didn't like was the filmmaking to a degree I found a bit distracting. Um, I think it, it looked good, but the style of filmmaking got a little bit repetitive. And that. And I know it was shot on an iPhone, and I haven't seen Unsane, um, but it was shot on an iPhone with a specially developed wide-angle lens yeah. to capture to capture these things. Now, the thing that I did notice is the wide-angle lens worked really well for this for, for for this experiment and to show what what can be done. However, and I noticed this particularly in the the very first scene, the conversation in the cafe, the iPhone doesn't handle because I've filmed a lot of stuff on 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 an iPhone on iPhones for work and stuff like that. The iPhone doesn't handle uh, light from behind people very well. Um, and people notice that from from day to day stuff. And there was a lot of the, the 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 lighting on people's faces felt you could see that iPhone sort of um, I don't know the technical, but the the contrast it wasn't contrasty enough and it wasn't sharp enough because of the way the iPhone tends to behave in situations where people are lit from behind. Yeah, it was so, just really really dark. Yeah, and it. Yeah. And that, and to have that as the opening scene, and for me to notice that, I then just started paying way too much attention to to, to iPhone film stuff, uh, and it, I found it a bit distracting. And and I think if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot a film and you're gonna use sort of new lens technology to try something new, I wonder why you do that and then have to do that with the limitations of an iPhone. I, I mean, I know that Steven Soderbergh is a guy who likes to try new things and d- develop new ideas, but and I know you can make a film on an iPhone, but Steven Soderbergh doesn't need to make a film on an iPhone, so I kind of, I kind of don't get why you would do that and have that limitation, especially when you're using this specially developed wide-angle lens. It just seems like a weird, a weird thing to do. Um, so the film content I enjoyed, the filmmaking I found a bit distracting and a bit repetitive, and yeah, uh, that's it basically. Uh, so, sorry, just to interject, I feel like I enjoy it. I'd have enjoyed it a lot more because I enjoyed it. I feel like I'd have enjoyed it a lot more because it doesn't spend an awful lot of time talking about the sport itself. If I'd understood more going in, well, that that leads quite nicely mm-hmm. to what I'm about to say. So what I would say is. Um, out of all of us, uh, um, I mean, football fan, uh, even football fan, and all doesn't like football. Anymore, but um, sometimes it's, football it's, fan. It's, it's, it's actually interesting Stockport County and Man City because of, of Charlie, and you're a football fan, aren't you, Becky? Yes. Um, but I would say Jordan is out of all of us quite 
I would say none of us would argue that he, you, John, are the biggest sports fan. You're a big Jordan fan. is our sports yeah. correspondent. But also, yeah. you are a big sports fan as well. So you will have understood, I would guess, a lot more of the sport kind of elements of it and the business elements related to that, I would guess. So what did you think, John? Well, um, I mean, we can get into that if you want a little bit, but yeah. for me, what I, um, before before we get into that, what I liked was, I kept on thinking what um, Steven Soderbergh's Moneyball would have looked like, because, I mean, he was attached for it for a long time, if I remember, yeah, and how good of a, com- like a companion piece it would have been to this, because given how Moneyball mm. is about beating the game, and but also about the love of the game, the romantic notion that sports brings onto its fans, and and sort of, but this one was so entrenched in the the business and the politics of sport. So it, you look at it two different angles there, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, I mean, going back into the, the business side of it about the lockout and things like that. I mean, that is just a place where you've got the NBA as an organization. You've got the players who each team has a salary cap. I think it's 109 million pound in the NBA who, well, that's how much they can pay their players. Now they can go above that but they pay something called a luxury tax on their players. So therefore, if they go over it, they pay a crap ton of money for them. So what happens is like in the 2011 shutdown, this is really boring. I think they, the NBA was, was going to lower it from about 57% of like their earnings to 47. So that means the players would have been earning 10% less. And that's, they didn't want that because obviously they're the talent. They're, they're the people who, they are the commodity, so they they stop playing. So, so that, this really. So did this actually happen then? Because I was wondering that while I was watching it, because I didn't well, know. There's been a few lockouts. I think there was one in '98, and there's oh, one in 2011. I think there's one in the NFL as well, because um, like American sports don't work the same as British sports because they have like the Premier League doesn't put that huge amount of restrictions on the. The, the teams the well we, we don't really have franchises we, we have teams um but um it's very very i mean organized that's why they always say like organized ball organized football whatever we don't have that yes we do have the premier league but it's different than the nba the nfl um the um, baseball stuff like that mlb yeah yeah mlb yeah so but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's an interesting sort of thing. But what, for me, it made me think about as well is it, you look at the these athletes and what they are, I mean, especially because it sort of centers around a rookie, that they're kids and they don't know how to be adults yet, but they're pushed into becoming these role models and businessmen. And, I mean, it's kind of humiliating for me because I, I will open and say, openly say that I pretty much worship a guy six years my junior because he's really good at kicking a ball around a field. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it, it's... It, I don't look at footballers as humans. I look at them as, if somebody gets injured, I'm sad that they're not in my team. I don't care about their pain. Which you have that sort of dichotomy of seeing them as humans and seeing them as as, as a business uh, venture, but I think it also you do see them out, out as, as 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 different to you. I know I was, for instance, I was shouting about a football about how old he was, and then I realized and, and how 
over the hill he was now it was ridiculous and then realised he was three years younger than me it was Colotoro no Colotoro was 306 years old everyone knows that <laughs> <laughs> but that is, I look at people who turn 30 in football and I'm like oh they're over the hill get rid of them and I'm 32 <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. It's I, 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 I just the Liverpool were linked to as, as, as I think I was having a conversation about my own Literally, he's so old that he babysat and gone. And I realised that, that he was actually three years younger than me. Three years <laughs> But I think also what it does well is it kind of looks at the possibilities of the future of sports um, with, with social media and sort of looking maybe away from the organisation and, and going out and doing it on its own. And you've got obviously that theme going on in the film, but also the fact that Steven Soderbergh shot this on an iPhone, yes, he had some special kit with it, but he's, he's kind of saying, right, okay, you're, you are the talent, go out and show your talent, because people will come, people will want to see it. So I think there's a little bit of an underlying context there as well. Mm, like a reclamation of, of their own identity kind of thing. Mm. And I actually quite really enjoyed the the interviews as well because obviously those um, guys are proper basketball players like Carl Anthony Towns and things like that. They're actually um, were rookies in the last maybe five years. So I enjoyed that, that as well. Yeah, their experiences from going from college not earning nothing to earning millions of dollars. Funnily enough, that the weird thing there is the. Um, the reason why Soderbergh didn't end up doing Moneyball was because he wanted to do stuff like that in Moneyball. Yeah. Uh, they didn't want that in Moneyball. They wanted it to be, they didn't want it to be anywhere near Doc Prince. They wanted it to just be a film of what happened. Uh, and that's why Soderbergh literally said, well, if you're not letting me make my version of it, then I'm not going to, essentially, I'm not going to make it. Mm. And that's why, that's why he left, what is it? And it's quite interesting that he literally does that fucking first back here yeah yeah but no overall i i mean I, I think i'm on the same level as ian i really really loved it um i'm a huge soderbergh fan anyhow um i just love how he, he just sort of jumps from completely different films to the next film and i mean i might be a little bit i don't know bold here but I, it felt for me as well it felt kind of like a spike lee movie <laughs> Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just the way they the, the delivered the dialogue. I mean, that first scene, and when you're talking about the, the technique and um, you, the iPhone not being used correctly in the first scene, I quite liked it, and I liked his setups whilst people were talking because he'd done something really interesting because he would start with a sort of like a normal shot, you sort of over the shoulder, whatever, but he would sort of move the the camera around so you're getting like this mm. 360 perspective of it so you i mean yeah you're being sort of entertained by what they're saying but it's making it visually interesting it's not it's just not doing a stupid like a, a boring um over the shoulder reverse no i think it, i agree i agree and he's he's put he's pushing the 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 limit of what that technology can do i just i did find it quite distracting and i did sort of there were moments where I was just thinking I'd be enjoying this, the content of this film way, way more if it was just delivered in a more traditional manner. So it just, I mean, I get it, but it just, it distracted me for some reason. 
That's fine. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Um, um, to be honest, I'm quite looking forward to seeing it again as well. And Andre Holland, is it? I mean, I didn't know who he was, and I watched Moonlight for the first time last week, um, and he was brilliant in that. And in his he and here, he was absolutely fantastic. Oh shit! Yeah, he's the other guy in the last section, isn't he? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And also, Bill Duke is the man. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, I. I have a bit of a mixed relationship with Steven Soderbergh in, in the sense that I I really get on with some of his films that I I really enjoy them and other ones just leave me a little bit a little bit cold. Um, with this and also I I absolutely I love sports movies and like you were saying no I love sports movies that are not necessarily that don't actually speak to the sport they're just about the sport. For instance, something like Moneyball I really enjoy uh, and Draft Day the Kevin Costner film. I don't yes. know, I think yeah, that's a cracking film. That. Um, stuff like that so I'm very much looking forward to this and um, but also like you said you know there was points where I watch it going I'm enjoying this but I have literally zero idea what's going on at this moment and mm. bounce round and, and I, I almost get the feeling that you maybe at points weren't supposed to exactly know what was going on yeah I don't think it matters because you're watching people to cut and just say, have, to, have, you're watching smart. smart people having smart conversations about shit that they know about, yeah. and you're just going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's okay. And then you've got you've got great scenes like uh, the the Bill Duke one, where he literally is in that woman's office, uh, just staring at her because um, she's compared something to slavery. And, mm. and, and and he's saying, you know, they're the same one. You, know, you better listen to him. And she literally looks at him and just goes. You're not in my fucking. Co- we're not in your car. We're in my fucking office, which was. I I, I enjoyed the the juxtaposition of of, of that of, of everyone saying, "Oh, you should be scared of me." Going, well, I'm fucking not. No, because <laughs> it great. felt like it was going to go a very specific way there. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was nice that. to say that. I, I liked Cal in it. All the performances are great. It's it's one where I think I'm I'm going to watch it again. Just because I think I might enjoy it a lot more on a second watch, and I did enjoy it on the first watch, but I think I might enjoy it on a second watch where I'm, I can, I don't know, I can pay a little more attention to it. If that makes sense. I'm gonna read up some lockouts and draft processes and then rewatch it. I think. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's it. I think I want to, I want to appreciate it more, but I think I want to know more so I can appreciate it more. It kept introducing it for me in two segments as like first draft pick, and I was like. I don't know what the fuck that means. Is that good? Well, yeah, it, 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 we, we, you watch seven seasons of the fucking league. That's about football. It, it's the same process. Yeah, it kind of is, but it, that's, that's a fancy draft. <laughs> no, but no, but they actually they talk about it in, in many times in the league. Oh yeah, I, just, right. I zone out for those bits because I don't understand <laughs> it. It's like it's like when they talk about American politics and stuff, and, and I'm just like, I'm just gonna zone out. I don't need to know this right now. So <laughs> what you got to think about the first draft is basically um, people come out of college or high school or they drop out of college, and then they're given obviously they're rated, and normally the best player goes first, and the way the way that's sort of t- tallied up is the the team that finishes last in the league gets the first pick of the first draft. Um, so yes. the second team that finished last gets the second pick. Now, obviously, these lower teams can trade for players for draft picks. So it's 
it's an interesting thing, but my only thing about American sports is what doesn't make it, I think, as good as um, football is that they have no risk of relegation. They basically get rewarded for finishing last by getting a great pick. Yeah. So, for, so, for, so for instance, to an example, when Ellis Short, the American businessman, bought Sunderland, mm. he had no idea relegation existed. Right. He, he, didn't, he didn't know relegation was a thing uh, and, until somebody said we're going to get relegated. And he thought that that meant that they were going to just lose a bit of extra money, they weren't going to get as much money. And somebody had to explain to him, no, you'll no longer be in the Premier League. And he was like, well, they can't do that. And it was at that moment that he realised, shit, I don't want to be in this business. And that is why some of them now where they are. Mm. So, right, so it's draft day, right? Yeah. And all the teams, what? On their phones and their offices, they list the names? They got a draft. So, like, they all get together, like a representative from each team goes to, like, yeah. I don't know, like a harvester or something. <laughs> and then they just pick a name and. Yeah, it's a huge thing. It's like it, yeah. it takes like over three days, basically. Yeah, um, in the states, you have like it goes draft picks. You don't actually have one pick. You have draft picks going like one. Is it to twelve or something like that? Is it? Well, it's twenty nine. Twenty nine is it? Yeah. So, but but it goes it goes to one to twenty nine, then twenty nine back to one, then one to twenty nine. So you have different rounds. Yeah. But this is round. getting probably very very boring for your listeners. Yeah. It basically, to give an example, Bex, is imagine the Premier League was just a Premier League. There's no other teams, right? Yeah. So Huddersfield finished bottom of the Premier League this season, which looks like it's going to happen, right? Next year, they would get the number... They, they would have the first draft pick. So this is just out of, like, academy players and... But there's no transfers. Yeah. There's but no academies transfers. don't academies don't exist in in America. Well, like, like just to kind of put it into the context of it, it's new players. It's new players, yes. So what happened to the old players? Do they just have to stay where they are? When they and they get, they get traded, or they run down out. contracts. No, they run down contracts, right. or they can get traded, or they, they can be traded. And what happens when they run down the contract? They go to the team for a bigger contract. So would they then go into the draft picking? No, no, no. They 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 they, they, they become a free agent. They can sign with whoever they want. Sounds a bit silly. It, <laughs> <laughs> It's it, it's it's no more silly than um, buying Barcelona stuff. buying Philip Coutinho for 140 million pounds, and then having then having to pay him a shitload more money. But anyway, like, <laughs> like John said, we're going to end up delving into something that Alice is now going. We don't come here for this. I know, but if anyone's out there thinking, oh, I'd like to watch High Flying Bird, but I know fuck all about basketball, then we're the place to come, aren't we? We are indeed, yes. But Jordan explaining it. But Jordan explaining it, which is, which is, why, which is why I left it for. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly had to, I had to cancel my NBA subscription because I watched the first 34 games of the NBA season and they play like every other day. Yeah. So I was watching nothing, nothing else but basketball. Yeah, I, I when, when, to, to get a little insight into that, when um, Liverpool were bought by um, Fenway Sports Group, I thought, right, this is it. I've always, from when I first saw Major League Two, a rookie of the year in the cinema, I've always wanted to get into baseball. This is the time I've got a team I can follow, and I get into baseball. And I look at it and went, they play how many games? And 162 game season. Yeah, 162 Jesus games. Christ! They play like and all the time. 
And that's just the, the um, normal season, and they go into yeah. post-season after that. Yeah, it, it, it's mental. They play, like, literally almost every fucking day. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, I, I, I can't keep up with that. I don't know anything about baseball either. You, you don't need to. So, high flying bird. I'm guessing that we are <laughs> unanimously definitely not shit on this, aren't we? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's have a quick little look. Our audience is not quite unanimously definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. Eighty-three percent. Touching cloth zero percent, and shit seventeen percent. So thank you very much for that, Dan. Um, <laughs> Nice. What have you been watching? Uh, George, what have you been watching? To be honest, um, I mean, quite a lot, but stuff that you've already covered over the last few weeks. Um, so, I think that should be a little boxed up. Um, to be honest, I rewatched A Million Ways to Die in the West, um, and I remember hating this film when it came out in the cinemas. Um, but I thought it was on Netflix, and I actually quite enjoyed it second time around. Um, if Beale Street could talk was frankly incredible yeah. it really did really it moved me in ways yeah. that I can't really describe um, I say I saw Moonlight for the first time and that floored me and I know you guys weren't that hot on it um, but I don't know it's just the, the sense of loneliness in that film and those three performances from the three guys I don't know how they got it so consistent and I know um um, Ali got the the Oscar, but the, the the second kid who played Chiron I thought was incredible. Um, I watched First Reformed, um, which I mean I didn't really have a favorite film of last year because I didn't watch enough, but that was the best film that I saw that probably came out last year. Um, Paul Schrader just knocked it out of the park. Um, just the way he shot it, it felt kind of like a confessional box. It was so stylized in its own style really and um, just leaving the camera there and when it was going when it did move or when it did pan it was for something meaningful ethan hawk was incredible um but yeah i mean it's it mostly just catching up on the oscar stuff really i watched Paddington two for the first time and that was lovely yeah um what else what else what else i watched happy death there um, which again you guys recommended, and it was a very good recommend. I rewatched uh, that this week as well. I fucking love that film. Yeah, and yeah. Brawl in Cell Block ninety nine. Yeah, I love that film. That knocked my socks off. I didn't sure. expect it to be as good. I still haven't seen Bone Tomahawk, um, so I'm, that's on my list to watch. And I think what his next one's called Dragged Across Pavement. That's a title. Yeah. Oh, drag, drag, mm-hmm. what a title for a film that is. Yeah. Cannot wait for that as well. Uh, especially as it's a cop drama starring Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn as the cops. <laughs> That's it. And I, I felt bad as well because um, I, I can't pronounce his name. Mahershala Ali. Yeah, Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Mahershala Ali. So I, I watched Moonlight and then Green Book pretty soon. And I've watched Elite <laughs> Battle Angel and I'm like... <laughs> Delivers these two really good performances, and then, unfortunately, he's in that. You need to watch the forty four hundred, George. You like your fucking TV sci fi that goes on for ages. <laughs> I remember seeing him in um, House of Cards, um, and it was it was decent in that. Hmm. 
But no, other than that, just catching up with the normal sort of Oscar fodder. Cool. Uh, no, what have you been watching, bud? Um, I finally got round to Pacific Rim Uprising. I don't yes. know why. I don't know why it took me so long. To, I think it was one of those films I was really, really looking forward to it um, when it came out on the cinema. And then I heard a couple of bad things, and the timing didn't work out with the screening, so I just sort of forgot about it and thought I'll catch it at home. Now, honestly, I think that was a huge mistake. I really should have saw this in the cinema because it's a big, dumb cartoon and big smashing robots, smashing bit. And it's, I, you know, I grew up watching robot jocks and uh, crash and burn wishing for films like Pacific Rim and Pacific Rim Uprising. And now they're here. Apparently I'm not going to get any more. So I'm a bit annoyed about it uh, because I won't get to see another Pacific Rim film on the cinema. I loved the first Pacific Rim. I think the fact that this one, this one cost forty million less. It made less. It made about forty million less as well. Um, but the fact that it costs so much less and it still managed to capture a lot of the fun of that first film. It's not as good as the first film, but it, it's it's still it's still got a lot of fun to it. Um, yeah, I loved it. I should have, I should have watched it at the cinema though. Really, really, I'm a bit pissed off that I didn't watch it at the cinema. Um, but bought it for two ninety nine as well, so uh, bargain. Um, nice. So yeah, uh, since then as well, what else have I watched? Oh, uh, finally got around to a simple favour as well, which was excellent. Um, had a lot of. Um, had a sort of a, a lot of a sort of nineties vibe, nineties thriller vibe to it, which I, I really enjoyed. Um, Blake Lively, who's was great in it as well. Anna Kendrick, I'm not the. I can take or leave Anna Kendrick. Sometimes she can irk me a little bit. She can be um, still Anna Kendrick in things. She I? can, she can, yeah. But I get the feeling that that's just really genuinely is what she's like. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It, it bothered me a little bit, but. It, not so much. It didn't bother me too much. It wasn't too distracting. She's fine in this kind of role because what you want in this kind of role is a dramatic actress who is kind of winking at the camera. So she's perfect for that. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, I also watched Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, uh, which I was literally, as I, men- as I mentioned to Ian last night, I was about to put on a movie that's called, what was it called, Ian? Uh, yeah, I was about to watch an evening with Beverly Luff Lynn. Just pure. <laughs> so so yeah. I did. So he did. I was flicking through Netflix. I was just like, I just want to watch anything. I want to watch the first thing that just grabs me. And I was flicking through, and I saw Jermaine Clennon, and I saw Craig Robinson, and I saw an actor that looked like Matt Berry, but I'm not sure if it was Matt Berry. It might have been M. L. Hirsch because uh, it was the back of his head. Um, and I thought, ooh, what's this? This looks quirky. And Netflix did that annoying thing where it started playing me a clip from the film. But the clip grabbed me and the clip drew, drew me in. And I was like, all right, this looks weird and quirky and it's got people in it that I love. So let's stick it on. And I stuck it on. And as soon as it as as soon as it came in, so as soon as it came on, the uh, name of the director popped up. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to check out, check out who this guy is and see who this guy is. And it was from the director of The Greasy Strangler. Which you, you proudly own in your iTunes library. Like a fucking 
like a, a sweet corn in 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 the turd of my collection. Yeah. Um, no, wait, no, no, that sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? <laughs> no, no, can I just say it's not a good metaphor. Sorry, go on. Um, Friday night, I Becky was out um, at friends, and I was doing the same thing, scrolling around, and I literally stopped on an evening with Beverly Loughlin and went, yeah, and went, and weirdly went, okay, yeah, uh, Craig Robinson, you've got me there. Yeah, he's actually Matt Berry as well, isn't it? The, is he Matt Berry? All right, Matt Berry. but Emil Hirsch is in it as well. It's in it as well, right? Uh, and I didn't go Matt Berry. All right with that. Aubrey Plaza, I, I can give a take, but when she's funny, I think she's very funny. Uh, yeah. And I went, yeah, I'm up for it. Wait a minute, I recognise that name. And then did the same uh, thing. Went, yeah, you can fuck right up. I could have very easily stuck that film on and not checked who the director is. It isn't necessarily like, if I see a director's name that I don't recognise, I don't usually check it. I think what it was was the look and feel of it. The look and feel of the film just set off a bit of a trigger. Um, so I just needed to check that. I, I don't know, maybe I thought I was, is, is this the guy who directed that Mighty Boosh film or what's going on here? Like, is it the guy who did the, well, I forget what the cowboy film is with... Um, yeah, anyway, um, so immediately switched it off. There's no fucking way that guy will ever get a film in front of my eyes as long as I live. So, um, yeah, so switched it off, and I put. And the next thing that came up was Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle, and I had absolutely no interest in this film whatsoever, and I just thought, I'm not having another one of those nights where I just flick through everything. <laughs> so I just went, right, Mowgli, and stuck it on. Claire literally was working next to me. She's like, what's this? And I was like, Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. She's like... You're watching Mowgli. Why? And I was like, just because it's the first thing on, I'm not fucking wasting another evening flicking through Netflix. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was actually it was it, it, I was quite surprised by it. It's um, I did like the the Jungle Book remake, and I did like spending time with that story in it, but through a different set of eyes. This is a very different set of eyes to that. Um, there are some similarities visually, but it's the Jungle Book, so it has to look a certain way. It's all set in a fucking jungle. It's going to look similar to the other one. Um, <laughs> but it, it makes a lot of decisions that, obviously, that film could never have made. Um, it's it, it feels smelly and dirty, and there's fucking flies everywhere all the way through it as well, which is weird. Um and it's 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 it hits some of the the familiar Jungle Book beats and characters, uh, but very very few of them. Um, but actually, I think the thing that worked best for me was the third act, where it goes off into completely different territory, and you see um, you see Mowgli in the Man Village, uh, which I know you see in the animated Jungle Book too, but that's different. Um, yeah, so you do get to see him come into terms with being a man and what it is to be a man surrounded by animals and the relationship between animals and man, and then how he ends up going back to the jungle and what happens from there. All of that stuff was brilliant. I was enjoying it to a degree up until that point, but that last act really kicked it in a gear for me. Um, so, yeah, much more impressive than I thought, actually. Um, that's pretty much it. I also watched Upgrade a couple of weeks ago, which is fun. Everybody should watch it. I enjoyed Upgrade. Yeah. Uh, Ian, what have you been watching? 
So I was blowing my nose. Um, I've only got a, I've only was got a, a couple. Was it a power play, Ian? Is that what was going on there? Oh, no, believe me, mate. I ain't a fucking power play. I'm just like... I'd be just as liable to fucking fall asleep on you as I would to fuck you over at the moment. So, uh, uh, yeah, so I, 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 that's nothing to do with you guys. It's just like, it's this fucking cold kicking me in the ass. Um, so yeah, I w- went straight out from elite, battle angel, which was quite sparsely attended to a really weirdly packed 20 past two on a Saturday afternoon screening of escape room. <laughs> it was really busy and it was odd. So this is uh directed by Adam Robital who directed the that last insidious film. Um and it kind of seems like they're trying to do a bit of a franchise here. So basically um disparate group of people uh are invited to try out this escape room and they uh, and they're given this thing saying like you know, solve it and we'll give you a thousand uh, dollars or something. They go there and it turns out that some people are basically concocting these fiendish puzzles to essentially eliminate them all. Uh, and they have to try and get out of it. So it's kind of like saw meets cube mm. essentially. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I mean, I, I had a perfectly decent time with it. I'd, I'd watch more of them. Uh, You're ends... going to get more. Sorry? You're going to get more. Yeah, it, it's done It's done well enough that I think they they could probably do another one in the cinema, then bust a few out that are like direct-to-video. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's packed in over 100 million off a 9 million budget. Yeah, wow. there you go. So, well, um, how big many... is that? And I mean, it looks good. You know, you know what? For a nine million dollar budget, it looks good. Um, it, you know, the 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 puzzles in it are, are, are pretty entertaining to watch. Uh, the characters in it are decent. I mean, they're kind of tropes, but that's fine. Um, and yeah, I mean, I I had a perfectly decent ninety minutes with it. So that's Escape Room. It, it kind of does what it says on the tin. And the only reason why I went to see it was because like it was starting immediately after Alita. Um, but I'm you know the Alita out of your brain. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I I had a better time with it than I did with Alita. You know, if if people were going to say, "What should I go see, Alita: Battle Angel or Escape Room?" I'd say fucking Escape Room. Uh, I mean, Christ, it's half hour shorter for one thing. So there you go. There's that. And uh, took Lottie to see the Lego Movie 2, um, which it, it it's interesting. It kind of seems like everybody was falling over themselves to come all over the Lego Movie five years ago. And now nobody seems to give a shit. They've left it too long. They did leave it too long. It has been five years, and that you know they they did do the Lego Batman movie and the Lego Ninjago movie both in 2017. So um, it is a case of just like fucking just rinsing it basically. But um, I'll say for what it's worth, I thought it was equal to the first one. Um, it's directed by this time by Mike Mitchell, who directed Trolls. Um, and you see that in that it's probably more colourful than the first one is, um, and there's quite a few musical numbers in it as well, but they're all right. Um, 
colourful than the first one. The first one on its own gave my eyes diabetes. Uh, a lot of it, I don't want to give, like, for people who are going to go see it, I don't want to give away too much about the plot, but a lot of it takes place in a little girl's imagination. <laughs> Whereas the first took place in a in a boy's imagination, so, uh, but yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of color in it. Um, basically, what's the story? Uh, so at the end of the first one, uh, the boy whose imagination it's the first one was set in. Basically, it, his dad, played by Will Ferrell, says, "Okay, well, we're gonna have to let your sister come down here and play now." And then Duplo aliens come down and essentially these Duplo aliens continue like trying to come down and seemingly destroy the place. Five years later, Bricksburg is now Apocalypseburg. Um, it's this more gritty, more teenagery environment. Um, but, uh, representatives of Queen, whatever I want to be and, and whatever and up and, yeah, something like that. Voiced by Tiffany Haddish, come down and they want Batman to marry the Queen, and it kind of goes on from there. Um, it does well in deconstructing the fact that Emmett wasn't really the hero of the first story. Uh, there's actually some mild toxic masculinity stuff at play in it, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, it's I it's interesting. I think it's not quite as high on the sm- on, on the smell of its own farts as the first one was, which I think Lord and Miller on occasion have a tendency to do, and I think that uh, I, I I think that having um having Mike Mitchell directing it instead kind of does give it a different focus and a more kid focused focus in all fairness i mean for what it's worth i think lottie was fucking gripped by this one she liked the first one she fucking loved this and in the end of the day the lego movie should probably be for five-year-olds and not for 20-somethings who want to like references shoehorned in for them uh, mm. Even though saying that, there's a running joke involving Bruce Willis, which is fantastic, and uh, there's a hot tub time machine reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I I I enjoyed it. Uh, I re- I rewatched the Lego Movie as well, which I which I, I I I think I get on with that more now that everyone has stopped fucking bumming it. Uh, and I think maybe I like this one a bit more than otherwise I would because no one is bumming it. If, if I'm being honest, but I, I I had a good time with it. And the end credits song is brilliant because it's just talking about how great end credits are. <laughs> you see, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually wanting to go and see this now. Whereas before I was like, it's too long. It's been too long. Whereas I, I'm, you're, well, I'm going to go and see it because of a Hot Tub Time Machine reference, but... There's also other bits that make a long scene now as well. Like seriously, I think you will stand up and cheer at the hot tub time machine, but it's not oblique, it's very direct. Yeah, I will. I, I will be smacking whoever's next to me and just going, fucking hot tub time machine! 
As someone said, will you stop hitting my child, please? Yeah, just there you go. that person next to you will not be me. That'll be a child. Yeah. <laughs> and then go, do you want to come and see Hot Tub Time Machine with me? In a hot tub. You can't just kidnap someone else's child. As I get arrested. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's not how it works. Yes. Uh, that's me, but yeah, Lego Movie 2. It's, um, it's, it's good. Bex, uh, what, what have we watched? Well, the film I really want to talk about, we fucking can't, can we, really? Because Ian, Ian will love that film. Huh? On what? the basis of sex. <coughs> I, I, think, yeah, I think Ian will quite like it. Yeah, well, yeah. so we can't talk about we'll, it. We'll, we'll say we saw it, then. What is it? Uh, we went to see... Uh, well, uh, well, you went to see uh, Elite Battle Angel and then went to see uh, Escape Room, didn't you? Yeah. You literally came out of one and went into the other. Yeah. We did it the other way around. Uh, we went to see On the Basis of Sex... And then literally came straight out of that and went straight into Elite Battle Angel for a nice five-hour cinema. Hang on, that came out? No, it's not out yet. We went to see a, a, a advanced screening thing. Oh, right. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, I'm, not gonna go see it. I'm not going to go see it in the cinema. It's fine. You talk about it. Um, all right. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it. Yeah. Um, directed by uh, Mimi Leder, um, starring Felicity Jones. Army Hammer. Doing some very Army Hammer things. Uh, Justin Theroux, uh, Kathy Bates, um, Stephen Root. There's a lot. There's a lot of what is it in there? A lot of character acts in there. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about you want to talk. You said you want to talk about. It. I, I still haven't really organised my thoughts about this film. I came out of it feeling like I, I was failing as a female, and feminism isn't all bad. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a fucking hero and should be worshipped and kept alive as long as possible. And that's 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 pretty much where I'm at with it at the moment. I felt like crying at points during that movie. It was it was really I don't know, it just really got to me. It's the the comparison that my brain made after the film finished was she took down this horrible started the takedown of this horrible toxic system in the same way that the guys that took Capone down did fucking tax codes. And it's it's just absolutely like the film itself is is really engaged. Like it could be really dry and boring. And it's just not it's really well acted. Um just like her her passion for, for making a difference and it's not it's not even she wants to take on the sexual discrimination laws because of how many of them discriminate against women. But she's she's not it's not just that, it's about equality for her. And when she finds granted it's easier to fight one that discriminates a man against a man at the time because there's more likely to be the sympathy there. But you know, she it, it's about the equality side of it for her. Um and she just yeah, it I I, I, don't, I can't even speak on it properly. Uh, in terms of the the, the, the context <laughs> of the movie, that's it. What what I really, really enjoyed about it was it's not this, it's not portrayed as one woman's fight against the system no. with like this big operatic score or anything like that. It's a jaunty little, what is it, movie of, um, of her just, just essentially just being really stubborn about everything. With this like quite fun little um, score that keeps it peppered along that gets you interested. Yeah. And then, because the score's a lot of fun and it, it plays really well in it. But then, once it starts getting in the meat of it, it just disappears. <laughs> yeah. And there's no score. And you're going, wait a minute, the score's completely gone. And then it comes back. And you go, oh, we're back there again. 
doopity-doo. And it's it's a really fun movie that's about a really quite serious I, subject. I, I thought you were going to say it was going to start. It starts doing that piano motif from Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> no, but it would have been funny if it did that. I like, I like the fact as well that oh, it, it doesn't good. play all the men as being baddies. Like no. it's, it's her against all these bad men. Like Army Hammer's a really like progressive husband. He does like the majority of the cooking and looks after the kids and. Blah, blah blah, and and you know the guy that works at the Thoreau, yeah, yeah ACLU, he's 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 completely with her theoretically. He just doesn't think it's winnable. But he's a prick. But he's a prick. But he's supposed to be a prick. Well, yeah, but he he, he has got her back to her, to an extent. He just he doesn't want to fight the case. Can't win. He doesn't not agree with her. Yeah, it, it, it's it's a film that. It, it should it shouldn't have been as much fun as this no. was, and it's it's a it's a it's a really good time to spend two hours with. To be honest, I, yeah. I really I really enjoyed it. Oh, oh okay, it. good. Yeah. Uh, what what sort of you ghost story? Didn't you? Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about ghost stories because you're gonna watch it. Apparently, yes, I am. But uh, what else? We haven't watched that much of this week, have we? No, that's it. The only, the only one I've got is uh, I did actually watch rewatched Moneyball uh, this week. Um, I, I I would say it was to like to. to Kind of like hold up against uh, High Flying Bird, but I wasn't. I didn't make that connection. It was literally because Moneyball came up on Prime while I was looking for something to watch. Um, I thought, oh, I'll rewatch Moneyball. Uh, Moneyball's great. It's a really, yeah. really fun movie um, about something that's that's really quite interesting that you could get ridiculously geeky about, um, and it, it's. It, it did kind of break up the system of how baseball was was run, and although not everybody runs on a money ball system, and the money ball system has now become a bastardized version of what of what this was, it, it has changed baseball, and because of that, and the way that it seeped a little bit into football, it has had an impact on that as as well. And it's it's quite interesting to see the early kind of where it all came from. It is very interesting. Johnny Hill is also very very good in it. And Brad Pitt looks like he's having an absolute blast playing uh, Billy Bean. It's 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 a, it's a great great movie. It's one of the best sports movies um, of the last twenty years. I, th- yeah. I think. I mean, it's hilarious. It's it's the inside baseball of baseball. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It's, ha- it's it's a it's a fascinating thing, and it's. Have you read the um, the book? I haven't. No. Because the, the book is uh, the book nowhere near as entertaining as the what is it? The book goes a lot more in depth and it is incredibly geeky, but in a very fun way. If you if you have an interest in sport, you'll get it and you'll get something out of it. Um, mm. But I, I read it at the same time as I read the um, Players Index. Um, book uh, about um, sorting out transfers and how transfers are worked out, which is basically Moneyball, but for football. <laughs> it is yeah. unbelievably geek. And you're reading it going, I am incredibly sad for knowing what all of this means. <laughs> but I think that's why, I mean, baseball in itself is a quite a unique sport because you can break down the numbers like that. If you get on base, if you get on base more than anybody else, then you're the best, and it doesn't matter if you're fat or you're thin, you're small, you're big. Um, it's unlike it's like when the three five two got brought to the Premier League. 
it changes the game. But yeah. um, unlike football, unlike these um, team sports, I mean, I know baseball is a team sport, but when you're at the base, it's very it, much it, you, it, it, you and yeah. one person. It's more, uh, it's more of an individual team sport. It, it's, yeah, yeah. You, you can't you, you can't break those down like you can baseball, and I think that's why you, people get wrapped up in the maths, and that's well, I'm a I'm an absolute dog for that stuff, so that's why I quite <laughs> really enjoy it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, well, actually, that's it for this one. Ian, do you want to say questions? I don't want to do them now. Are you? Are you? Are you how are you doing? Um, uh, I'm, I'm flagging. Like, well, we should save questions for next week then, because we didn't, we didn't get that many, so we'll save them for next week. Thank you. Um, twat, I've actually got an answer this week as well. Oh, no, no, do it. Do, do, do it then. Do it. I need to get my phone back out of my pocket. I've just swore. Well, there was, only one, there was only one question, wasn't there, that I saw? All oh, right, well, cool. I'll do, I'll, our question to uh, the guys this week, our question for you guys this week is, what's the best special feature you've watched and do you actually care about special features? Uh, Rick Kidd uh, at Rick J. Kidd. To be honest, I can't remember the last time I watched a special feature. Um, Craig uh, at Craig Dawson. The comment track for the grey is great. Joe Canahan trashing people who worked on other films while drinking whiskey is the best. I'm going to buy that so I can watch that. <laughs> I, I, I would say the commentary track on Evil Dead 2 because Bruce Campbell tells a story about the time he met Kurt Russell and all Kurt Russell wanted him to do was to say work shed. <laughs> I've, I've got that balloon as well. I'm going to watch that as well. Uh, Andrew Jones, uh, Ethan Run, and the 70 minute Magnolia making of uh, Dito, actually a whole feature on a Tenacious D live Blu ray, or the instruction to deleted scenes of Eagle and Shark, uh, Wakatika and a Tux. These scenes are considered two shit for the main feature. <laughs> oh, Love extras, best they can think of right now is Finch's commentary track for seven. I can absolutely agree with that. Also, Finch's commentary track for Fight Club is brilliant. He literally throughout the entire bit goes, I can, I can now see why this movie didn't make money. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, House of Flat Lanterns. Um, if they have Danny Dyer on Nick Love, yes. Uh, unfortunately, that does mean watching a Danny Dyer and Nick Love film. Um... What question did we have? We had one question. Just find it. I think it was Rick Kidd. Yeah, at Rick, uh, Rick Kidd. At Rick J. Kidd. Uh, are, there, are there any films you hate from directors you love? If so, what? Yesterday by Danny Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I mean, for me, I, I wouldn't say hate, but I think actively dislike um, Burn After Reading from the Coens. I think it's utterly pointless. It's it's a Cohen's going too Cohen-y. I can I I, I can see I, I actually didn't mind Burn After Reading, but I can I can see I can absolutely see where you're coming from. Yeah, there's a thing is there's a couple of Cohen Brothers movies that I don't like. So I I mean like um, a serious man I really didn't like. I just yeah. You, you didn't like actually, actually saying that I didn't like Hail Caesar either. So. Oh, I quite like the hills. Yeah, that's crazy talk. Intolerable cruelty. Most people seem to not like that. I Lady Killers. Most people. Yeah. And, and, and of course, I like Lady Killers because I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> I, I think Curious Case of Benjamin Button would be a good one for this. Yeah. Like, not that I hate it, but just that it's 
so much less good than like anything else that Fincher put out there, and I include the work printer version of Alien Three in that. Mm. Uh, I, I have one for this. Go on uh, to the wonder, Terence Malick. It's just shit. But so's lots of Malick. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree on that. Steady. <laughs> You didn't see Song to Song, did you? I haven't seen Song to Song yet. Yeah, no. fucking, all right, come back to me. Have you seen Night of Cups? I have seen Night of Cups. Did you like Night of Cups? Uh, I didn't hate Night of Cups, is what I'll say. Right, okay. It, you it, didn't it, like it, it then. It's it's pointless, but I like the fact that some people are credited in it who literally went to a party because they were told that uh, Terrence Malick was shooting at part of a film at this party. Hmm... And so, for instance, Nick Kroll is credited as Nick. Nick Kroll only knew he was in the movie when he actually saw the movie and went, I'm in this. <laughs> he didn't know, apparently, that he was even in it. Yeah. Well, I've, got, I've got one then. Um, so, a director who... I've, there's only one of his films that I've not seen, one of his, his feature films that I've not seen, uh, and that's Free Fire, just because I haven't got around to it yet. Uh, but Ben Wheatley, I love all of his stuff. I even love a lot of his TV stuff that I didn't even realize he did, like Ideal and yeah. Modern Toss. But he made a movie a while back called A Field in England. And Ian, <laughs> I know you liked it. But I fucking hated that film. I really hated it. But the weird thing is, as well, is, I mean, you know, there's films of his that I like slightly less. I think High Rise, I enjoyed visually but there's a lot there's there's a lot about it that sort of irks me a little bit um down terrace i love kill list i love sightseers i love um uh, happy new year colin bursted i love it just feels like a field in england just really sticks out as this weird fucking experiment in the middle of it all i don't know that's exactly what it is but yeah it's just the one film in his in his uh in his filmography that really fucking annoys me. So, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't get on with Sightseers either on that and that. Crazy talk. Sightseers. I like Sightseers. I like Sightseers. hated that film. <laughs> Bex, yours, go on. Oh, I can't think of any. I'm really crap at remembering who's directed what anyway. And all the, all the directors I like, I like all their stuff, but there's not many of them. I can't, I can't participate. I'll have a think. Have a think you answer it next week. Yeah. Okay. All right. Is that your own group? I am quite hungry in a little cat. Like, literally try to fall off my knee right Yeah, you do. Our cat is... Our cat is... How do you describe our cat at the moment, Becky? He's adult. He's had too many seizures and fried his brain too much and his cat... He literally... He can fall over stuff up. Mental. Currently a cat in liquid form. Yeah. <laughs> from um, what? From From doing what? Yes, he, he went through a phase of having like seizures. Um, like, yeah, but like a couple and then none for months. And the vet was like, well, if he's not having them constantly, the medication will do him more harm than having them occasionally. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't had any in a while, Touchwood. But he's just, he just seems a bit wrong. Yeah, he does. He like sits and stares mm-hmm. into corners a lot. Yeah. And Jeez. he was walking on the back of the sofa the other day and just fell off it. Fuck. Probably shouldn't have left that, but it was. It was funny. It was funny. It was funny. And he was fine. Yeah. 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 
Just as pride was hurt. You are. Just as pride was hurt, really. Yeah. Just you two laughing at him. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, So that was uh, episode 291 of Film Bastards. Uh, Thank you very much, Mel, for joining us. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Ian, for surviving it. Uh, Thanks. And uh, what are we coming next week, Ian? Uh, Happy Death Day to you. Yes, nice. <laughs> catch up. Did you guys want to do a catch up on if Beale Street could talk? Yes. Cool. We'll do those then. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll get off before Ian literally does die. Um, so thank you for listening, guys, and we shall speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Later. Restrepo. <laughs> <laughs> yes.